beat the drums and bagpipe combination. It is a good one. How's everybody doing? It is BK here. It is 11.50 a.m. on a Saturday. Back to our regularly scheduled time. And uh, go ahead and please follow me on Twitter, at BK Actual. And of course, if you didn't know, that was the United States Marine Corps hymn. And as someone who has two Marine Corps officer brothers, of course, I never miss a Marine Corps birthday. And indeed, it is the 243rd birthday of the United States Marines. In addition to my two brothers, I've known many Marines throughout my military and contracting career, and uh, it's been a big part of my life. And uh, happy birthday to all of them as well. And obviously, with my brothers, you know, I, I get I get many text messages <laughs> the morning of every Marine Corps birthday and phone calls filled with Various grunts and yuts and oohs and all the noises that Marine Corps uh, infantrymen and whatnot and all you devil dogs like to make. I love it. Can't get enough of it. Appreciate each and every one of you. In case you were wondering, yes, the Marine Corps uh, began with the founding of the Continental Marines on this date, 10 November 1775, originally to conduct ship-to-ship fighting, provide shipboard security, and discipline enforcement and assist in landing forces. Obviously, that mission has evolved with changing military doctrine and foreign policy of the United States. And owing to the availability of Marine forces at sea, the United States Marine Corps has served in nearly every conflict in United States history. It attained prominence when its theories and practice of amphibious warfare proved a valuable weapon and formed a cornerstone of the Pacific theater of World War II. And uh, it has an ability to rapidly respond on short notice to expeditionary crises that has made it an important tool and a bedrock of United States foreign policy for 243 years today. So can't thank him enough. And uh, again, shout out to all you Marines all over the world. I know a ton of you guys listen. I get your messages, and uh, it really means a lot. To have you out there. So, let's get into the news. Yeah, it is me back again. Uh, if you missed it last week, I did the podcast on Friday with my friend uh, Jason, former pararescue and former D1 athlete. And um, I had to tell you guys, after Jason and I did the podcast on Friday night, I went to his event. As he described, you know, he runs this business where he trains young men, the next generation of special operations forces. And it's basically guys who want to go be a Green Beret or a PJ or a SEAL. And uh, so I said, yeah, sure, I'll show up and check out the PT test. So we went out to Coronado Island out here in San Diego. And I was actually, it was like 16 dudes. Like, I thought it would be like four or five guys. It was like 16 guys. I was like, wow, that's a good turnout. And there were definitely varying skill levels. So first we gave them a basic PT test, you know, mile and a half run, 500-meter swim, pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups. And... Uh, I got to tell you, some of these guys were way ahead of where I was when I started uh, in the pararescue selection. So, I mean, there were some studs out there, you know, guys running like sub nine minute mile and a half, dudes doing 30 plus pull-ups, uh, 100 plus push-ups. Uh, so you, if you can get in that range, you are well on your way to kicking the shit out of any military selection you can go to. And if you have any questions on that, you can go check out Jason. Uh, he's big on Instagram and all the rest and go check out. He gave out all that information at the end of the last podcast. So 
I encourage you to go to that. And uh, great job for you guys. I know some of those uh, candidates checked out the podcast. So um, great job on every one of you. It takes guts just to show up to something like that. Even, you know, there are some guys who are not even close to being ready. But hey, you know what? They showed up. And that's more than most people would do. So even if you're struggling, hey, at least you got a benchmark, right? Even if you couldn't swim the whole distance, now you know what you got to work on and do. So uh, that was a lot of fun for me, and hopefully we'll do another one here in a couple more months. Why don't we get in the news now? Let's start with these fires that are just crushing California right now. Now, as of this morning, and I'm sure this number is going to rise, there were at least nine people killed including several who died in their cars in a retirement community called Paradise near the Thousand Oaks area of California. Malibu mansions have burned to the ground, and people are basically fleeing the entire area. Now, we're battling three major fires. One is in the northern Sierra, and two of them are west of Los Angeles. In that northern town of Paradise, uh, basically everything burned to the ground, while in Southern California, tens of thousands of residents were forced to flee their homes and jam onto the highways. Uh, there were, they even had to pack up a lot of the animals around the Los Angeles Zoo by Griffith Park. Now that blaze in the north, they are calling the campfire. And it has destroyed so far as of this New York Times story, I believe was updated this morning, it has destroyed 6,700 structures, and most of them residential. Now, such devastation would make this the most destructive fire in modern state history. One of the spokesmen for the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection said, it is phenomenal how fast this fire has spread. They do fear the death toll would rise higher. Uh, they have in this story at least 35 people reported missing. And this comes on the heels of the Thousand Oaks mass shooting as well, compounding the grief, and we're going to get into that in a few minutes also. So it's just, uh, you should see some of these pictures that are coming out of this are just unbelievable. The, you know, people, you can take pictures from Santa Monica Beach and you see these just walls of smoke just filling the entire sky, just right from the beach, right by the pier. Totally crazy. The bodies of several people were found in vehicles. Uh, many of them had been so badly burned, unfortunately, they could not immediately be identified. And they were really forced to just flee for their lives. Now, you know, guys, we've covered these fires uh, quite a bit through the podcast history. And they've long been a threat in California, but it seems like in the last several years, they have had devastating impacts never before seen in the state. And they are saying that the state has kind of reached a new normal of nearly year-round fires. Remember, we used to have the fire season, and it's not so much a fire season anymore. It's just all the time. Remember, over the summer, a significant section of Northern California was burned by the largest fire on record. That was the Mendocino Complex fire. And then last year... We had the Tubbs Fire. That's the one that swept through Sonoma and Napa counties, wine country up there, and that killed 22 people and demolished about 5,600 structures. That was a record at the time. Like I just said, we've established a new one. We do have a state of emergency in Los Angeles and in Ventura County. Uh, I cannot confirm this, 
They are still investigating the causes of the current fires, but they have, I have seen pop up that some people are blaming a Pacific Gas and Electric Company. That is, again, not confirmed, but they think some of the downed power lines might have uh, contributed to the sparking of the fire. So really bad stuff. If you are in the LA Malibu area, I saw where they're really trying hard to protect Pepperdine University. If you didn't know, Pepperdine is just a beautiful campus. It's right on, uh, it's just, it's right there in Malibu overlooking the ocean and they're trying hard to have that friggin' not burn down. So crazy stuff. Uh, huge shout out to the firefighters and all the wildland guys making sure and fighting as hard as they can. Just talk talk about grueling work. I mean, being a wildland firefighter, oof, it's a tough, tough, tough gig. So big ups to all of you guys out there. Now, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the election. We had the big election, the midterms. Yeah, that's right. Now, these they're kind of it, it was kind of a mixed bag, right? And indeed, we still have recounts going on right now. And the the senator from the senator and governor's race in Florida is up for debate. The senator race in Arizona is up for debate because seemingly they're pulling all these newly uncounted votes out of all kinds of mysterious boxes. Uh, I'll get into that in a minute as well. But it was a mixed bag. The Republicans managed to hold on to the Senate. And depending on the outcome of those Arizona and Florida races, even added to their total. But... As I suspected, and many others did, the it was a bit of a blue wave. It didn't look like it would be at the time, but it looks like they're going to gain like up to 40 seats total, the Democrats will, in the House of Representatives, which is a huge chunk. And hey, you know what? That's, that's the deal. You know, they showed up. You got out, you got out foxed. Uh, the, the, the victory belongs to those who showed up. You guys have heard me say that a hundred times. Now, this patchwork of outcomes has deepened disagreements within the Democrat Party because, you know, now you have the, the so-called moderate Democrats kind of at war with the progressives, and the progressives are emboldened by this. These are the real out there far leftists, and they're saying, look, this is what it takes to win. And both wings of that party are wielding that fresh evidence from the midterm results to make their case about the best path to assemble 270 electoral votes and oust Trump from office. Yeah, 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 see, this is the shitty thing. Now that the midterms are over, everything now is going to be about 2020 in the next election. And uh, we saw Representative Beto O'Rourke of Texas narrowly lost to Ted Cruz, but, I mean, it wasn't that far away. And you know what? I just have to say... I'm getting a little tired, and I snapped at a few people on Twitter, at BK Actual. Go ahead and follow me. And oh, also, uh, just to reiterate, I am on Instagram now, also at BK Actual, so you guys should go check that out. I keep seeing these Republicans, and they really fucking have their head in the sand on this, you guys. They keep saying, this is Texas. There's no way a liberal is going to win in Texas. And I'm like, well, he almost won. You know what? They fucking said that same shit about Orange County, California 20 years ago. They said that same shit about Colorado. Colorado was like a hillbilly mountain state with cowboys and ranchers. They just elected uh, a gay guy <laughs> for their governor, Jared Polis, right? I mean, good on him. He won. But I'm saying these transformations are happening. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Shit, when I wrote my column for Soft Rep about Trump in 2016... 
I warned them at the time there. I was like, Texas is not going to be an electoral lock for Republicans forever. And that gets into the whole demographics thing, which always, and that's another thing that always cracked me up. Like you're, you're supposed to, like I talked about demographics years ago about what's happening in California, what's happening in Texas. And it's like seen as like a uh, unpleasant subject to discuss, like tinged with racialism. But I'm like, this is reality. But it's funny, after their guy wins, the media, who openly roots for progressive and leftist Democrats, they start saying, oh, well, the demographic shift here was apparent. And I'm like, well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. But I'm telling you, man, I saw a lot of people in Texas going, ha, 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 stupid Beto O'Rourke. He lost. I told you that'll never happen. This is Texas. I'm like, well, for one thing, dummy, he didn't lose by that much. You guys have to stop assuming that this shit is never going to change. Like I said, look at OC 20 years ago. They said the same shit there. And now Dana Rohrbacher, he's out from Orange County. So I believe, I don't have it right in front of me, but I believe uh, Daryl Issa, his old seat went to a Democrat as well. A progress, a very liberal Democrat. So these tensions will go on, and they will have to see if Democrats can deliver a consistent message to voters and unite behind one nominee for 2020. And that lineup is going to be comedy. I mean, because you're going to have the nominees for 2020. So you're going to have like ancient fossil Joe Biden, who's like the moderate. And then you'll have some far left like kooks. I wonder if Bernie Sanders is going to, or do you think Hillary's going to run again? She might. She might. So, uh, you know, three senators who are appear all but certain to run are going to be Kamala Harris of California, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, and Cory Booker of New Jersey. Uh, they have moved past the point of simply talking about a candidate, and those three are actually making moves to prepare the infrastructure of a campaign. Uh, so we will see. Now, turning to Florida, Georgia, and Arizona. Uh, counties have until noon Saturday to submit their results to the state. That date has already passed. Now, a machine recount will be triggered, and I believe, yes, the machine recount has been triggered if the margin between Governor Rick Scott, who's the Republican nominee for Senate, who did claim victory, and Senator Bill Nelson, the Democratic incumbent, is 0.5 percentage points or less. So I believe they said it is. That will trigger that manual recount. And right now, uh, the votes are 50.08 for Rick Scott and 49.92% for Bill Nelson. And that would mean a margin for... Rick Scott of a little over 12,000 votes. Seems like a lot, but it's not much when you're talking about, you know, 8 million plus total votes cast in that race. As far as the Florida governor, again, Andrew Gillum, the Democrat challenger, uh, was going against Ron DeSantis. And he actually conceded the other night, but he's kind of withdrawn his conceded. And it's the same deal right now as it stands before the machine recount, which is probably being triggered. Right now, they're saying Ron DeSantis is ahead 49.59% to 49.18% for Gillum. That is a 33,000 vote margin for DeSantis. 
And turning to Georgia, the Georgia governor's race, that was between Republican Brian Kemp and Democrat Stacey Abrams. Again, Kemp claimed victory the other night. But now they are also looking at recounts. Brian Kemp is doing a little bit better in that. Uh, his percentage is 50.33% of the vote versus 48.73% of the vote, which would give him a 62,000 vote margin. But they think that that might be recounted as well. And finally, the U.S. Senate race in Arizona has somehow tightened. I, I don't know a lot where a lot of this stuff is. Like, how is it possible that these counts, like the vote totals keep changing days and days later? I, I don't know. I know they all have different systems about when they count their mail-in ballots versus when they count the ballots cast actually on election day. It's too convoluted for me to keep up, you guys. I'm going to plead ignorance on that one. I mean, you're talking 50 states here with 50 different ways of doing shit. But counties in Arizona must submit results to the state by December 3rd. Now, the Democrat uh, candidate, that was that nut Kirsten Cinema, initially trailed Republican Representative Martha McSally but picked up vote shares as more mail ballots were counted later in the week. And right now, they are saying Kristen Cinema is now ahead, has pulled into the lead 49.31% versus 48.36%. And that would give her a vote margin of nine, a little over 19,000 votes. So that will continue to go on. And it wasn't just the House and Senate races. There was also a lot of state legislatures, and the Democrats did make a dent in this year because over the past 25 years, Republicans have consolidated power in those state legislatures. They took both chambers in every southern state. They flipped long Democratic Midwestern strongholds and claimed new territory like West Virginia. Now, heading into the midterms, they controlled two-thirds of all state legislative bodies. So they did, uh, like I said, make a dent. The Democrats uh, netted about 250 state legislative seats. Now, those victories did all come in states that Hillary Clinton won in 2016. So it, seem, it seemingly is a long road for them to come back to parity with the Republicans. Uh, the Democrats now have outright control of seven chambers in six states. This is fascinating. You know, you know, Minnesota is now the only state with a divided legislature. In other words, a house controlled by the Democrats and a house controlled by the Republicans. That's the only only one out of fifty states has a divided legislature. Isn't that crazy? Uh, so these wins, uh, those those seven uh, chambers and six state wins. It's kind of modest compared to 2010. That was when Republicans captured two dozen chambers ahead of the once-a-decade redistricting process that state legislatures control. So now re redistricting, they do it uh, every 10 years or so, and it's right around the corner. And that's why Democrats have made such a big push to get into those state houses. And... They are also reacting to what some of those Republican majorities produce, stuff like a big big uh, policy cited were stand-your-ground gun laws, 
voter ID requirements, bills limiting the power of unions, and social policies like governing who can use public bathrooms. Oh, God. Stupid shit. Uh, So, uh, let's see. Anything else in this? uh, Anything? Let me see if there's anything else in this story. Uh, Like I said, Democrats won seven governor's offices. And we're not including Florida and Georgia in that. Uh, They ousted Scott Walker in Wisconsin. So the Democrats won the governorship in Wisconsin, as well as Michigan. So Illinois will now have a Democratic governor. Interestingly enough, you know, the, the, uh, what's his name? I'm just, I don't have this in front of me, but just the, what's the governor of uh, Maryland? Larry Hogan. You know, Maryland is like a deep blue state, and Larry Hogan won the governorship easily. So it can be done. So we'll see what happens with that, and we'll keep an eye on it. But uh, watch those races, especially in Florida. Now, I do have a little bit of the Florida-specific news because Rick Scott, is kind of, is he, he sued the Broward County Department of Elections. It's such a complete clusterfuck down there. I don't even know. Like, how hard is this? Every time something very simple is made extremely complicated or made to seem very hard, I, sh- I suspect chicanery right off the bat. But yes, a Broward County judge has ruled in favor of Governor Rick Scott and said Broward Supervisor of Elections Brenda Snipes must allow immediate viewing and copying of the records that have been requested by the campaign. Now... Uh, she has, again, I don't have this in front of me, but she said she was going to defy that. So uh, this, is, this is all nuts to me. Now, by late Friday, attorneys for Scott said they did not get very far in their efforts to inspect the ballots as required by the judge's order. Scott's attorneys say they did receive documents before the 7 p.m. deadline, but they could not access them? Hmm. I don't know what that means. So they got the documents, but they're saying they could not access them. Now, the lawsuit filed in Broward against Snipes claimed that her office was withholding crucial voter information and has blocked access. Um, So anything else in here? This is, I I know, guys, this is like eye glazing to me as well, but it's kind of important. So the judge's ruling, according to Snipes' attorney, says that she will comply and there is no cause to remove her because the judge has been making, uh, some of the politicians have been making noise about kicking her out. She should be kicked out regardless for totally incompetent competence. Uh, now here is, let's listen to Rick Scott here talking about uh, basically the whole uh, clusterfuck with the uh, Broward County election supervisor and what he thinks of it. So here's Governor Rick Scott. Here we go. I'm looking at these numbers. On election day, you were up 57,000 votes. What is the number now? Now it's down to 15,000 votes. So it's, it's clear. We got some left-wing activists. We've got some Democrat D.C. lawyers. They're down here for one purpose, to steal this election. Somehow, Governor, I, I, I the look- Broward County supervisor... I looked at the numbers. You were told five different numbers. Florida law says that all absentee early voting numbers must be reported in within 30 minutes of the polls closing, correct? Absolutely. 
And those numbers Sean, they have found 78,000 votes. Sean, they've found 78,000 new votes since Election Day uh, two days ago in Broward County and 15,000 more votes in Palm Beach. We don't know how many more votes they're, they're going to come up with, but this, it sure appears they're going to keep finding as many votes as it takes to try to win this election. Um, right. So we, I've asked the four Department of Law Enforcement to immediately do an investigation. We filed lawsuits. Uh, we're going to fight this and we're going to win. How come it's always Florida? Why is it always Florida? <laughs> I mean, I'm old enough to vaguely remember the the stupid uh, the 2000, the George W. Bush uh, Al Gore recount. What? What? How the fuck is this so hard? It's a it's a it's a paper ballot or a machine ballot, and the fucking mark is next to the guy's name, and you count the mark. How hard is this? This is not calculus. Like I said, I'm immediately suspicious when they try to pretend it's some very fucking complicated procedure when it's not. This is like a, a children could do this. So, anyway. But yeah, so we have a couple of uh, contests undecided, like I said. Florida and Arizona, Georgia. There are actually nearly a dozen house races that remain too close to call. Uh, where are those dozen? Let me just scroll through here. Oh, here we go. Uh, they're saying in California's 10th congressional district, Republican Jeff Denham is now trailing by a couple thousand votes. In California's 39th congressional district, uh, that was originally declared a victory for Republican Young Kim. And that is the, uh, I believe, the she would be the fir uh, first Korean-American representative. It's funny how they always left her out of all the, the mainstream media while they were blowing all the diverse woman candidates. And you never heard her name, did you? Isn't that funny? Because she's a Republican. So they're saying she does have a lead over Democrat Gil Cisneros, but it has not been technically called. In California, a lot of these are in California. There's another one where Republican Mimi Walters had appeared to win over someone named Katie Porter, but the incumbent has been losing ground as more votes trickle in and many ballots remain uncounted. Again, why are they remaining uncounted? Why is this? As I said, it looks like Representative Dana Rohrbacher in the 48th Congressional District is gone. He was defeated by Democrat Harley Rauda. And in here in uh, San Diego, we had Democrat Mike Levin, and he crushed his Republican opponent, Diane Harkey. Again, it's just it's on this list because it hasn't been technically called. So we got a couple. And then there's a few. And uh, there's one in New, uh, New Jersey, New Mexico, and Utah, where it appears Mia Love has lost to Democrat Ben Adams, but they're still working on those counts as well. Uh, now, one funny thing was when... Michigan Senate candidate John James, who unfortunately did not win. I can't freaking believe you people in Michigan. You're going to vote for Debbie Stabenow, that ancient fossil, the bureaucrat, the career politician, when you could have voted for John James, the veteran, young dude, animated. I mean, I, I, I just, unfortunately, he lost. Hey, that's part of the deal, right? But in a kind of a comedy, comedic note, a woman, a reporter named Brenda Battle, who's a reporter for the Huron Daily Tribune, she left a voicemail on John James's campaign office's phone number on Monday, and this was before the election, and she wanted an interview. 
So in the voicemail, she expresses her interest in interviewing James, and then she thinks she hung up the phone, but she actually did not hang up the phone, <laughs> and she has a few editorial comments while she believes she's already hung up the phone. So let's uh, listen to this dope talking about John James. Here we go. Hi, my name is Brenda Battle. I am a reporter with the Huron Daily Tribune in Bad Axe, Michigan. Uh, looking to uh, set up an appointment with Mr. James for some time on Wednesday for a phone interview regarding the election results. I'm probably going to send an email over um, to the info at johnjamesforsenate.com. Yeah, I can. With some details. God, that um, if you'd like to call me back, my my number is 989. This They redacted the rest of the phone number, uh, so it's just it's just silenced out right now. Uh, she's coming back. Thank to you. It. Here we go. Man, if he beats her, Jesus. Okay, so if you can't hear, it was a little quiet there. She said, quote, man, if he beats her, Jesus, fucking John James, that would suck. Whew, I don't think it's going to happen, though. That's funny. She did get uh, she did get fired for that. But it doesn't matter. He, he lost. Uh, also, uh, shout out to my man, Dan Crenshaw, former Navy SEAL, of course, uh, the eye patch guy. He won his race and he is now going to be a congressman which is awesome and this followed that moron pete davidson last week and he mocked dan crenshaw for losing his eye in war uh which was kind of funny and here he is right here dan crenshaw uh, <laughs> oh come on man yeah, hold on uh you may be surprised to hear he's a congressional candidate from texas and not a hitman in a porno movie <laughs> I'm sorry, I know he lost his eye in, in war or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's a good one, Pete. Fucking loser. Uh, you know, I'm not going to... I wasn't all butthurt about it. Uh, honestly, calling somebody... Saying somebody looks like a hitman in a porno movie is one of those, like... It's kind of a cool, like, insult. <laughs> you know, that wasn't too bad itself. But, you know, the, the, the condescending, oh, I know he lost his eye in war or whatever. It's just so fucking tone deaf. And Dan Crenshaw handled it, like, with class. He's a classy guy, obviously. And, you know, it's like, you know what? The thing is with me, yes, nothing's off the table, right? But fucking you, hey, Davidson, you don't fucking rate, okay? That's my point. I get to make fun of Dan Crenshaw for having an eye patch and looking like a pirate. His SEAL brothers get to make fun of Dan Crenshaw looking like a pirate or a hitman in a porn movie. Not you fucking, you unfunny Pete Davidson fuck. Glad Ariana Grande dumped your ass. You don't rate, okay? You're just some scummy comedian who's a total failure. You're, I don't even know why you're on Saturday Night Live. Who even fucking watches that show anymore? Uh, that fired me up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so we looked like on election night, we knew Democrats won at least 33 seats. But now, like I said, they're looking uh, like they might win closer to 40 seats total 
And that's the way it is. I mean, you notice you don't see fucking anybody cry-facing in the street in the Republican side. You know, you ever notice that? Uh, we had a, and we had a couple of firsts. We had uh, Ilhan Omar. She was the first now Somali-American congresswoman. That's funny. She's the chick who tweeted out, like, uh, you know, how Israel has cl- clouded, <laughs> clouded the eyes of the world or something. I'm paraphrasing in one of her tweets. Hates Israel. And funny enough, too, she, like, I remember I remember covering her because she was elected to the state representative in Minnesota, and the chick she beat was a longtime advocate of Somali refugees, and um, Omar thanked her by beating her and retiring her ass in a race. So that's the way it is. Uh, now, also, Rashida Tlaib, she is the first ever Muslim woman elected to Congress out of Michigan. And as I mentioned before, Jared Polis is the first openly homosexual man to win a governor's race, and that was in Colorado. Of course, we've had Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She is the youngest female ever elected to Congress, and um, she made the news a little bit because she said she couldn't afford to pay D.C. rent. And I'm like, I, I saw people dunking on that, and I'm like, it's, it's not a good look, you know, to make fun of her because she couldn't afford the outrageous rent in D.C. Like, yeah, I know, it's easy to make jokes. But it just shows you, like, we're, we've become so used to, like, all these millionaires just buying a congressional seat that we forget, like, that's that's a real-life concern, you know? She has basically no income. I would not be totally opposed to being able to take some campaign money and, and at least put, like, a deposit down on an apartment or something. I don't know. The whole thing's stupid anyway. You know, you read all these things about representatives has to sleep in their offices and stuff. Why don't they just build a, they should build a, a barracks, a dorm, just right by Capitol Hill, you know? That would be the, that would probably be the easiest solution, honestly. Nothing fancy. You don't get, like, some glamorous suite. You get, like, a little one one bedroom apartments. That's it. Uh, we had a twofer with Sharice Davids in Kansas. She is the first lesbian Native American, so we got a twofer. And then we had Chris Pappas from New Hampshire. He is the first openly homosexual member of Congress. And Deb Holland out of New Mexico is the first Native American woman in the House. Okay, well... So her and David's are both Native Americans. We had two, but one of them is a lesbian, so they listed her separately. Again, I did notice how they didn't fucking count Young Kim in this article on Axios about races that made history. Interesting. Uh, And in California, the one thing I asked you people to do was to vote to repeal the gas tax. Well, Proposition 6 lost badly, unfortunately. Uh, the last I saw, it was like a 10-point 10 uh, 10 lead. It was fucking ridiculous, dude. They spent more than $40 million to defeat that Prop 6, including Jerry Brown warning, of course, as he always does, of dire consequences if it passed. Uh, the people who wanted to repeal the gas tax managed to raise just a tenth of that amount, so they were fighting downhill. Now, that would have required any new transportation fuel taxes or road usage fees in California be approved by a majority vote of the public. And because it was backdated, it would have repealed that 
uh, gas tax increase they made last year by 12 cents a gallon and the tax on diesel by 20 cents a gallon. Uh, when they when they passed that gas tax, they also created a new transportation improvement fee for vehicle registration, ranging from $25 to $175. And that was my bit. Dude, seriously, I just, I, I don't know if you guys saw me tweet it out, but I did just redo my car insurance. Okay, get this shit. I have a 15-year-old car, all right? I have a Toyota 4Runner, awesome vehicle. One of the few, they had a V8 engine in it for like two years. I got one of those. Same motor that was in a Land Cruiser. It's a bulletproof vehicle. It's outstanding. Still, it's a 15-year-old car. You know how much my registration was? <laughs> this is, you people in Arizona and Nevada and other less communist states are going to fucking have a heart attack here. My registration for a 15-year-old car was $205. you fucking believe that? And yet you have all these morons who won't repeal this gas tax, which would have also repealed a lot of these stupid fees. Shit, I was talking to a friend last night, a friend of a friend, and she, because we were talking about the election and everything, and she just got a new Toyota Tacoma, a pickup truck, and it was the 2016. She paid, her registration was $500. I mean, that, that's insane to me. And yet people acted like you saw the propaganda where it's like, oh, people will die. And you had all the firefighters unions and police unions and all that. Where do you think they got $40 million from? So, yeah, that's uh, Californians. You you vote. You basically voted to keep taxing yourself. I don't fucking get you people. We pay so much money for everything. And that was the one thing which would have been like a little bit of an F you a little bit of rebellion, and nothing. And uh, it's funny, because Democrats and the construction industry and unions maintain that the $5 billion are vital to upgrade California's crumbling roads and bridges. That's always the propaganda. They have money for all that. They spend it on other stuff, and then when they don't have any money, they come and do an extra tax, and they say, oh, it's for the roads. But you already had money for the roads. Unbelievable. So thanks for nothing, you guys. Uh, what else happened? Let's uh, let's move on. That's the fucking 2018 midterms. So, you know, it's a kind of a mixed bag. It's great. Now, now we'll have now we'll have ancient fossil Nancy Pelosi grabbing uh, with the gavel in her withered claw, standing behind Trump at the State of the Union, which would be funny. So, uh, yeah, the the reality show has a new twist, and now Trump has an adversary, and they're going to pound each other day and night over this. That's it. That's it. What else happened? Well, Jeff Sessions got fired. Yeah. Attorney General Jeff Sessions. And this was comedy to me because, you know, did you see the thousands of people who came out in the streets to protest Jeff Sessions getting fired? Yeah. It was, uh, it was kind of hilarious. And there's some good... I have some good audio here of some... Uh, some protesters. <laughs> I, I only listened to like five seconds of this clip, but it was so funny. I'm like, I gotta play it. So, so when Sessions fired, uh, when Sessions was fired, everybody, you know, all the uh, activist groups swooped in, and people took to the streets like they like to do now, and they protested outside the White House. So, 
Here's a little uh, here's a little taste of what these protests sounded like outside the White House. Trump is a dictator, Todd. A spoiled baby brat in a grown man's body. Supported and followed by other wannabe dictator talks helping to rule over our future. Hey, Trump, you suck! Fuck you! <laughs> yeah! Fuck you! My God, these are fucking adults. Can you believe this? Can you hear the mental illness? What would you, what would, don't you have anything better to do? The The first guy too, who was, he was wearing his uh, pink pussy hat, a grown man. He was wearing the, uh, you know, the women's march, the hat. And he's sitting outside the White House, shrieking towards the White House of Trump. That's how he's spending his time. That's funny. And it's the funny thing is that many, many politicians had called for Jeff Sessions to resign. So I was like, well, you should be happy, right? And it include, uh, one was Representative Jerry Nadler in New York. And Nadler wrote in 2017, quote, on Twitter, he wrote, quote, Good morning. In case anyone forgot, Jeff Sessions must resign as attorney general. He cannot possibly lead the Department of Justice to promote trust and rule of law. Okay, so he wanted him gone, right? Then he tweeted out after Sessions did resign like he called for, quote, Americans must have answers immediately as to the reasoning behind real Donald Trump removing Jeff Sessions from the Justice Department. Why is the president making this change and who has authority over special counsel Mueller's investigation? In addition, another I could really do this with every single member of Congress because they all, I saw many good examples, but those are the two funny. And another one is Elizabeth Warren. She wrote again in 2017, uh, June of 2017, quote, as our top law enforcement officer, the attorney general must be truthful and uphold the law. Sessions cannot continue to serve. He should resign, right? She tweeted out after Sessions resigned, Donald Trump's firing of Jeff Sessions brings us one step closer to a constitutional crisis. Well, what, what, what do you people want? I'm telling you, it doesn't fucking matter what he does. Now, uh, in a funny example of that, just as an aside, I saw today, just before I started recording on the podcast, so, like, they're, they're celebrating, like, the 100 years of World War I. And this is a bad look. Apparently, they canceled Trump going to the ceremony because it was raining. Not, not a good look. I don't know whose decision that was. I don't know. He should, he should go. He should have gone. Fucking no question about it. I'm not even going to defend it. But I will say it would be because the same people are screaming at him now for not going. If he had gone, would be screaming at him for going. You fucking know it, and I do too. Come on. Uh, but yes, he should have gone. That was a stupid thing to do. I don't know who made that call, uh, but it, that's a bad call. I mean, uh, they said, I saw reasons for the helicopter not flying, cloud ceiling, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it was a security thing, a logistics thing. I don't know. Not a good look. And... You got to do better than that. Suck it up and do better. Now, I said we would get into the 
shooting, which which is fucking horrific, obviously. And this was in Thousand Oaks. And it was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran who opened fire on a crowd of mostly college students and young people dancing at a crowded country and western bar in a suburb of L.A. That's Thousand Oaks. And he killed 12 people, including a sheriff's deputy. Uh, His name was Ian Long, age 28. Uh, He did not use, when the initial reports came out, I was wondering, uh, the first thing I always think of is the weapon and the tactics. You know, like, uh, I know it's like, there's nothing I can do about the victim, so I'm just wondering what, what's going on. Well, he used a handgun. He used a Glock 45 caliber handgun. He did not use a uh, long gun at all. Uh, there was no known motive, allegedly. This was at the Borderline Bar and Grill, and it was college country night. Now, there were six off-duty law enforcement officers from different agencies in the bar when the shootings occurred. And some survivors said the law enforcement officers stood in front of them to protect them. Now, this was the third mass shooting in the United States in under two weeks. Uh, Six days after the death of two women at a yoga class in Tallahassee, Florida. And 12 days, of course, after that horrific shooting at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. Uh, so this is, it's just another fucking loser. You guys, it's the same, it's the same guy every single time. You've heard me say that a million times. It's some, every time, regardless of whether it is a, uh, Islamic extremist guy, it's one of the incels, you know, the involuntary celibates, the guys who can't get laid, or it's the white supremacist, or it's the fucking... Uh, any, any one of a number of guys, regardless of the ideology, it's the same guy. It's some loser in life who hates himself and he's just decided to take as many people as, uh, as he can with him. And there was some scuttlebutt that he was actually posting on Instagram during the killings. Yeah. I'm just checking out this story from TMZ. They say, uh, that, Ian, that Ian Long held a gun in one hand and his phone in the other and was posting messages to his Instagram actually during Wednesday night's massacre. TMZ sources say investigators discovered the messages on Long's page several hours after the shooting and contacted Instagram to delete his page. So I don't have the messages. Well, I have some messages in front of me that allegedly he posted to both Instagram and Facebook. And some of them read as follows, quote, I hope people call me insane. Wouldn't that just be a big ball of irony? Yeah, I'm insane. But the only thing you people do after these shootings is hopes and prayers or keep you in my thoughts every time and then wonder why these mass shootings keep happening. So it's almost like he's making fun of mass shootings while carrying out a mass shooting? What a freaking psycho, dude. Now, he did serve in Afghanistan from 2010 to 2011. I was asking about his MOS. Somebody said he was a machine gunner. So he was an infantry guy. And some people are saying PTSD. Obviously, that's no excuse. And, it, and like many veterans said on the internet, it's, it's a real fucking insult to, like, you know, notice, the, to, to note the PTSD and kind of, frame the story like well obviously he had ptsd and that's why this happened you know 
A lot of fucking people have PTSD. Doesn't mean anybody's going to walk into a bar and kill a bunch of innocent people just dancing. I mean, it's 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 absurd. It's kind of insulting. They they did back off of it a little bit after being publicly shamed because that but that was the headline that ran on a lot of stories, you know. PTSD addled combat vet goes crazy, you know. Think of all the thousands and thousands of people we've had serving combat under very trying conditions. It's and it's a rare case where somebody does something like this. As a matter of fact, you don't really want to do when you're dealing with PTSD, the last thing you fucking want to do is even be around people. Generally, you're more of a harm to yourself than to other people. PTSD is one of those, you know, it's something you grapple with, and unfortunately, a lot of guys have a hard time with it, and they turn to drugs and alcohol to numb it and just try to escape a little bit, and and then the, uh, you know, that's why we have such horrible suicide rates. But it's rare that the PTSD is not going to cause you to go out and commit harm. That's a, a very rare thing. So... Apparently, he did film himself as he opened fire, and the footage was found on his Instagram story after he killed himself, but before SWAT teams entered the building, and has since been wiped from the internet along with that Instagram and Facebook account. Uh, so, uh, you know what, they have his whole fucking bio, and I'm not even going to bother with it. The guy's a piece of shit. Total dishonored, he basically dishonored the Marine Corps. Uh, and it was, it, I don't know if you guys saw this, but one of, uh, I, I think it was the commandant of the Marine Corps who tweeted out uh, sympathy for the victims, and he pointedly called this guy an ex-Marine. Now, if you know anything about the military, you never refer to somebody as an ex-Marine because you're a Marine for life. It's always former Marine. So the fact that the commandant of the Marine Corps said ex was extremely culturally significant. It was like, it was like he was abolishing his tie with the Marine Corps. He wasn't worthy to be called a Marine. So he's no longer a Marine. He's, a, he's an ex-Marine. He's been excommunicated almost. So, I don't know, you guys. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> I've said it for years. What are you going to do? You can't stop this. You're, there's no way to take a guy. He can buy. You can buy firearms in this country if you don't have a criminal record and go through all the background checking. You do all that. You buy the firearms. You're fine. You're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Boom, you go kill a bunch of people. How do you stop that? How do you stop the guy who just snaps one day, says, fuck it, I'm strapping up, and I'm going to take out as many people as I can, and the second the SWAT team comes in, I'll just fucking put one in my own head. I mean, obviously, the only way to stop it is to confiscate all guns. Like, go fucking door-to-door and confiscate all guns. And this is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I'm sure the newly elected Democrats in the House are certainly going to try to do stuff like that, but it, uh, it's just not going to happen. Now, continuing, uh, I have an update on an old story. I covered this extensively at the time. Do you remember the death of the Green Beret in Mali? Remember he was strangled to death? And the perpetrators were two members of SEAL Team 6. You guys remember this story, right? This was in June 2017. Well, Navy criminal authorities have completed that investigation and sent the report to an American admiral who will decide what charges, if any, will be brought in the case. And this was Staff Sergeant Logan Melger, 
who is 34 years old. And those two SEAL te- uh, members of SEAL Team 6 who were in Mali shared embassy housing with him. And they've been under investigation into uh, his death. Now, according to preliminary report, just a little uh, history here, by the Army Criminal Investigation Command, the two Navy commandos said they found Sergeant Melger unresponsive after wrestling with him. Uh, One of these SEALs told a witness that he had choked Logan out and that he and the other Navy commando wanted to get back at the sergeant for a perceived slight. And so far, neither of them have been charged in his death. Uh, However, when the NCIS took over the case from the Army, the status of the two Navy guys, the SEALs, was changed from witnesses to persons of interest. So, according to that preliminary report, one of the SEAL members put Sergeant Melger in a chokehold, and when he passed out, the commandos frantically tried to revive him, going so far as to perform CPR and, oh, I didn't hear this before, and a field expedient emergency tracheotomy? Oh, I didn't hear that. So they tried to fucking crike the guy. They tried to stick a hole in his throat. And when that failed, they rushed him to an emergency clinic where he was pronounced dead now they grew suspicious because in initial reports the seals were claiming oh this was just a uh, the result of a drunken accident well what they didn't know but sergeant melger's friends and superiors knew was that sergeant melger did not drink so obviously that can be impossible they did name names they said the guy the seal who put sergeant melger in a chokehold is petty petty officer first class tony e Dedolf. And Dedolf is actually a former professional mixed martial arts fighter. And the other guy was uh, Chief Petty Officer Adam Matthews. Hmm. Unfortunate situation all the way around. I think they're going to throw the book at those two guys. Just a, just a gut feeling. All right. Oh, what else do I have? Uh, all right. We got the... We had some inter- we had some uh, some updates on the border stuff and the migrant situation. This was driving me crazy. I keep seeing people dismiss the caravan. They're like, "Oh, who? Ca- Why are we sending troops there? The caravan's not even there." And I'm like, "Moron! Do you realize we have caravans worth of people getting caught every single day? Forget about the stupid caravan. The media is so fucking fixated on that." I'm like, forget about the caravan. We have an ongoing massive illegal immigration problem right now. And here's some numbers for you. You know, Border Patrol agents arrested an average, an average of nearly 1,100 migrants along the U.S.-Mexico border every day in the past fiscal year. You believe that? And the most recent month, that number jumped to nearly 1,400 per day, people. So fuck the caravan. This is, what the, this is what the liberal media will never talk about because they keep, I see them on Twitter, they dismiss the, they mock the caravan. And I'm like, forget about the caravan. We have it ongoing every day. We have caravans worth of people arriving every day. If only there was some large physical barrier. I don't know, what can we call it, you guys? Some kind of really large, immovable object 
that would be a physical impediment to people just walking through. We could we should we could call it a schmall. I know I've said that joke before. Still a good joke. Yes, the most recent fiscal year was a total of 396,579 illegal immigrants. Almost 400,000. Included in that number were 50,000 unaccompanied alien children, or UACs, and 107,000 family unit aliens, is what they call them. This is just a fucking non-stop flood, you guys. So that's that. In turn, they're saying, "Look, we've got an emergency here," and now Trump has rolled out a fast-tracked regulation that will restrict the ability of certain migrants to seek asylum at the border. This will, of course, have massive legal challenges. But you, there's, there, you ever notice that during the whole, the, the whole caravan hysteria, did you guys ever see one single reporter ask a Democrat, a leading Democrat, what they would do at the border? You never saw that, did you? If they did bring it up at all, it was just to bash Trump in a way of, uh, in other words, they'd say to a Democrat, oh, what are, what are your thoughts on what the president says about the caravan? Instead, what they should be doing is, what would you do about the caravan, Kamala Harris? They never did. Not fucking one time did they do that. Because they have no answer. <laughs> those, those politicians have no answer. Now, as far as this regulation. It will bar certain migrants caught crossing the border between points of entry. The regulation will be paired with a presidential proclamation that outlines the migrants subject to the asylum bar, said administration officials. Uh, the regulation seeks to, quote, channel inadmissible aliens to ports of entry where they would be processed in a controlled, orderly, and lawful manner, end quote. Yeah, I've asked it every time. I've told you guys this a hundred times. I'm just going to say it again, though. The next time you're talking with one of your their liberal buddies, come up with come up with a scenario and ask them what they would do. Say say to them, okay, two hundred fucking illegals or whatever you want to call it, migrants are walking towards the U.S. border and they are attending to cross the border illegally. You're a border patrol agent. You have the power. What would you do? Go. I want to hear what they say. They have no answer. What they want to say is that, oh, well, we should take them in and process their claimants. And then that's when you say, okay, well, our current policy is to process them and then to release them into the United States where at least half of them won't show up for court and disappear forever. So how do you fix that? You can't fix it unless you give them all ankle monitors or something. Just the money we're spending on all this shit, you guys, blows my mind. It's crazy. Was there anything else on the, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I have some other stuff on DACA I'll get to in a minute, but, uh, uh, but yeah, let's, let's move on to some of the other stuff. Uh, this was interesting. The world's first artificial intelligence news anchor has gone live in China. Did you guys see this? I tweeted this one out. Yeah, this is on China's state-run Huinhao. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. X-I-N-H-U-A. The Xinhao News Agency has launched an artificial intelligence anchor in English, and he's modeled on one of their uh, one of the agency's news presenters named Zhang Zhao. 
But this, this artificial intelligence news anchor learns from live videos and is able to work 24 hours a day reporting via social media and on their website. And it, it just keeps learning and broadcasts videos by itself. Isn't this trippy? I have a clip of him making his debut. Okay, I'm going to play this about 30 seconds long. And keep in mind, this is not a person. This is a this is a this is a not even a robot. It's just a program. It's crazy. It looks like a person. Like if you were just flipping channels, you would see this and be like, "Oh, okay, it's some Chinese guy reading the news." It's not real. This is the future, man. It's crazy. Let's see how this goes. There you go. Hello, everyone. I'm an English artificial intelligence anchor. This is my very first day in Xinhua News Agency. My voice and appearance are modeled on Zhang Zhao, a real anchor with Xinhua. The development of the media industry calls for continuous innovation and deep integration with the international advanced technologies. Creepy. I will work tirelessly to keep you informed as texts will be typed into my system uninterrupted. I look forward to bringing you the brand new news experiences. Wow, dude. This is crazy. I assume there's going to be all kinds of like pornographic ex you know, applications of this technology. Uh, so, yes, the brave new world we are in will roll on. How about something fun? In Washington State, a kink enthusiast died last month after silicone injections into his genitals led to fatal bleeding. However, his mother believes a gay sex cult is to blame. Oof, a lot to unpack here. This is 28-year-old Jack Chapman. He's an Australian guy living in Seattle, and he died from silicone embolism syndrome, resulting in hemorrhaging in the lungs. Now, Chapman, who went by Pup Tank, was an active member of San Francisco and later Seattle's gay BDSM community. You know, bondage. And he served as one of several slaves to master Dylan Haffertepen, known as the nickname <laughs> Noodles and Beef. That's, that's, the, that's the master's nickname is Noodles and Beef. Uh, the Noodles and Beef, who has thousands of followers on social media, is known for posting salacious photos with his slaves, who he calls his pups. And several of his pups... Uh, appear to have artificially enlarged genitals as well as extremely muscular bodies. Oh, my God. I'm looking at this dude's picture right now. Uh, what are you doing, guy? Oh, my God. He's very large, very bearish looking with a big red beard. And uh, obviously, he's quite disturbed. He was required to wear a chain around his neck and cut off contact with anyone outside the BDSM circle. Now, Noodles and Beef has sadly deactivated his social media accounts after Chapman's death, and it is not known who injected the silicone into Chapman's scrotum. <laughs> God. What are people doing, dude? What, what are they doing? Uh, let's get to some world news. In Japan, suicides among Japanese children have reached the highest level in three decades. Uh, according to new figures released by the government, uh, child suicides have risen recently. Last year, 250 children in elementary, middle, and high schools committed suicide. That is the highest number since 1986. 
And according to uh, education ministry surveys, most of the students did not leave any explanation why they decided to take their own lives. Of those who did, the most frequently cited reason was worries over what path to take after graduation. Other reasons included family problems and bullying. Well, you know, you guys know me. I'm going to blame everything on the internet and social media. That's what it is. I don't need to. I don't need your survey. Uh, so now, suicides among children tended to spike on September 1st, which led to speculation that students felt school pressures more intensely after the summer break. And the leading cause of death last year among 15 to 19 year olds was suicide. That's very sad. Uh, and what are you going to do? And meanwhile, in Afghanistan, dozens of soldiers and police officers were killed or captured in nine Taliban attacks that overran security bases and outposts in different parts of Afghanistan during a 24-hour period that ended on Tuesday. Uh, for example, they captured, the insurgents did, captured battalion headquarters of the Afghan border force in Farah province in western Afghanistan. They killed or took prisoner nearly the entire contingent of officers, with as many as 20 dead. In Kandahar, in the south, three separate attacks killed a total of 17 police officers. And in Ghazni, where we have talked about before, a joint military and police outpost was overran only two days after it had been set up, with all 16 security officials there killed or wounded. This is absolutely nuts. In all, 59 police officers or soldiers were confirmed killed in the nine attacks on Monday and Tuesday, which, like I said, took place in seven different provinces. That's, uh, that's a lot of people. Man, there's just I'm they're in it for the long haul. How fucking long are we supposed to be there to try to prevent this? It's just never ending, you guys. It's time to fucking cut bait, dude. It's time to let it go. It's been too long. It's too much. The cost is too much. It's just it's it's done. That's it. Uh oh, see, I'm depressed again. So what do I do when I'm depressed? I get some good stuff. The suspect in the vandalism of a New York City synagogue that, of course, swept the area news was uh, turned out to be a Democratic activist and a former City Hall intern who worked on anti-hate crime issues. Did you guys see this picture? He is a uh, He identifies as a queer black man. That's his phrase, not mine. Informally adopted by a Jewish couple. And a New York Times', uh, the paper's charity called The Neediest Cases, actually helped this guy to go to college where his focus was African-American studies. And the New York Times actually did a profile on him. Now, this was when a political event with two Democratic candidates at the Union Temple of Brooklyn was canceled Friday after attendees found graffiti saying, quote, Die Jew rats, end quote, and Hitler which one of the candidates said highlighted the need to vote out hate. Like uh, 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 this, this stupid dummy, which his name is hilarious. His name is James Polite. Isn't that funny? Well, he didn't realize that they had uh, surveillance cameras and they arrested him on the basis of that surveillance footage. 
And like I said, the New York Times even did a profile on this kid, noting that he was an LGBT foster youth who could divide the statistics after becoming the adopted child of the Quinn administration, as Christine Quinn, then the Speaker of the New York City Council, put it. So they were all about this kid. And what does he do? He goes to college, and then he decides to go to the synagogue and uh, say, <laughs> spray paint dyed Jew rats on the wall. That's nice. God. what? Like, talk about a fucking ingrate, dude. Unbelievable. What else? Oh, the uh, conservatives, you, uh, the Canadian, my Canadian listeners. This is funny. A former cabinet minister and current member of parliament was asked to leave the conservative caucus on Wednesday after acknowledging he had sent sexually explicit photographs and a video to a woman over a three-week period. No. What do you think was in the video? I can think of one thing, and I'm, I bet my next paycheck... I'd bet the next Patreon paycheck that I know what was on the video. All right. Uh, this is the guy's name is Tony Clement. And he said in a statement that he had believed the recipient was consenting. So he thought this was like just cool shit to do. But then he said without offering details that he had been targeted for the purpose of financial extortion. Shortly afterwards, he resigned from several parliamentary posts uh, including a spot on a committee with access to national security intelligence. But on Wednesday afternoon, the leader of the conservative party asked him to leave their caucus as well. So I'm just looking to see if there's any like gory details on here. Uh, he said he would, Mr. Clement said he would seek unspecified help and treatment. Okay. What's the treatment? Dude, don't send fucking videos of yourself jacking off to women. I don't even care if they do ask for it. I'm not I'm not giving them that. I like I'm assuming that's what it was. When I hear when I hear you sexting a video, I mean what what else could it possibly be? And of course, he is a social conservative who has opposed same-sex marriage and abortion rights. Oh boy. Oh, he is married too. So is this some is this to some other yeah, he's married to somebody, and he's presumably, that's not who. They didn't identify the woman who he sent these sexually explicit photographs to. I'm assuming, I mean, I'm assuming it's not his wife. I'm just going out on a limb there. Oh, man. Uh, you guys, some of you sent me this, and, uh, you know, this is the wave of the future. Did you hear about this patient who died during a robot surgery? Yeah. Now, they're saying a heart patient who died after a robot performed complicated surgery said the man, um, this is, I'm sorry, let me start over because this is written poorly. They said this heart patient had a 99% chance of survival if a human had operated on the heart. In other words, it should have been a pretty straightforward surgery. But the doctor leading the surgery on this man named Stephen Pettit was not trained enough to use this robot and had only practiced using it on a simulator. So this actually happened in February of 2015. This is sad. He's a 69-year-old father of three. He was the first person in the UK to undergo robotic mitral valve surgery. But after a lengthy operation, which had to be completed with conventional open-heart surgery, 
he died from multiple organ failure. And they said there was only a 1% to 2% chance of dying had conventional open-heart surgery been used to repair or replace his leaking valve. So it sounds like they were trying to do, like, the least invasive thing with the robot. You know, instead of, like, cracking the chest and doing it the old-fashioned way, you know, it's, like, all kind of, like, arthroscopy stuff. Uh, this was called the Da Vinci Robot. And trained expert, what these guys, trained experts in using the Da Vinci robot were actually in there to help, but they left before the complex procedure finished. Oh, well, thanks for that. Hmm. It was made, the surgery was made more complicated and lengthy by sutures being found to be misaligned and the robot camera being blinded with blood. Yeah, I guess still the, uh, some things are better done the old fashioned way, huh? More world news. Uh, at least 47 people died in Zimbabwe in a bus collision. This is hard to believe. Two long-distance buses in Zimbabwe have collided on a road after one of them tried to overtake two trucks. Ah, so it was passing on the left kind of deal. And it killed at least 47 people and injured dozens more. Uh, this was near Rusapi, about 100 miles east of the capital of Harare on Wednesday evening. And the death toll could rise because 80 people were admitted to the hospital and some of their injuries are very, very serious. Bus accidents are frequent in Zimbabwe. Bus crews try to make as many trips as possible each day in order to make more money, which effectively creates a financial incentive to speed. That's horrific. And nobody wears a seatbelt on the bus. You know, even on, like, our stupid yellow school buses, there are no seatbelts. Why is that? That always blew my mind. Like, looking back on it now, I didn't think of it at the time as a kid. But then you, like, see the buses later in life or, like, the school, you know, the Bluebird-style school bus. There's, like, no seatbelts on these things. If one of those buses rolls off the road, you're looking at, like, crazy casualties, dude. So, what else? A 7-Eleven clerk is in trouble. <laughs> this is in Illinois. A suburban 7-Eleven clerk was charged with a hate crime Friday after a racist encounter with several customers. This is uh, Ron Ferry Basilo, 32 years old, and he was charged with several counts, including felony hate crime. The incident began when three African-American men and one Hispanic man entered the 7-Eleven in Lombard, Illinois, at about 10.30 p.m., where Basillo worked as a clerk. And he looks, um, Ron Ferry Basillo, it's some kind of, uh, he's some kind of ethnic dude. I don't know, he's not a, like a white guy is what my point. Well, as soon as these guys walk in, they, they said the clerk started yelling racial slurs at them. They continued shopping, but he continued to yell the racial slurs. Uh, the customers, all in their late teens, never said anything to Basila to instigate his yelling. They apparently decided to leave the store. Then Basilo follows them out of the store, continuing to yell racial slurs, and armed with a long-bladed knife. The men ran from the store, leaving their car in a parking lot, and Basilo then slashed their tires. Holy shit! This guy's a nut. Police still do not know what provoked the attack. Wow. I'll tell you what provoked the attack. He doesn't like black guys and Mexican guys. That's what, uh, that's what provoked the attack. 
I mean, I, I'm no detective or anything. I'm just saying. Do you see the Satanic Temple is suing Netflix? This is gonna. This has to be tossed out. They're suing Netflix for $150 million for using a statue of a demon god in a show called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Now, this is stupid. Yeah, they're uh, suing both Netflix and Warner Brothers for $150 million, saying the companies infringed on the Satanic Temple's copyrights, violated their trademark, and caused injury to its business reputation. At the senator, at the center of the controversy is Baphomet, described in the court documents as, quote, an androgynous goat-headed deity, end quote. A statue of the satanic god surrounded by children is featured in a Netflix series, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. However, the lawsuit claims the show's statue is similar to the Satanic Temple's real-life Baphomet monument, which was made famous by an Indiegogo campaign in 2014. Oh, I remember this. Do you guys remember that? That's when uh, they were trying to raise money to install the Satanic statue next to the Ten Commandments at the Oklahoma State Capitol. You remember that? So now this statue has become a, uh, an icon to the satanic temple community. God. Because the statue is featured prominently in the show, the satanic temple claims its members are being associated with the evil antagonist depicted in the series. Well, isn't that what Satanism is all about? I thought they were proud of that. I don't know. God, even the Satanists are SJWs now. I mean, dude. Fucking never ends. Here's a pop quiz. Who is Eric Schneiderman? You guys remember that name? If you guessed that was the former New York State Attorney General, you would be correct. Heavily covered on this podcast, he resigned in May after four women accused him of assaulting them. Well, after a six-month Investigation prosecutors said on Thursday they would not pursue criminal charges against Scheiderman uh, at all. And they said that the women who accused Schneiderman of abuse were credible, but that there were legal hurdles to bringing charges. Uh, she did not elaborate on what those hurdles were, except to say that some of the accusations were too old to pursue under state law. Okay, the old statute of limitations. Now, this was announced by Madeline Singus, who's the Nassau County DA, District Attorney. And she noted that she had proposed a new state law that would protect victims of sexually motivated violence by making it illegal to hit, shove, slap, or kick someone without their consent for the purpose of sexual arousal or gratification. Yeah, you guys remember, Schneiderman was saying, ew, this was kinky sex. I didn't do anything. He said, look, they liked me to choke them, so I choked them. What do you want from me? Yeah, these women were, had, were romantically involved with him, and they accused him of choking, hitting, and slapping them, sometimes during sex and often after drinking. But all of them said the violence was not consensual. Hmm. Well, his political career is done either way, so he'll just go back to being a, a lawyer, I suppose. But yeah, and, and what's going to happen with Weinstein? This is the Weinstein thing. I'm telling you. 
You guys fucking think uh, I'm telling? Remember, just remember, I was the first one to tell you that Weinstein's gonna walk because I still believe that. I really do. Let us turn to the heavily covered sex robot update. You guys know I like this, and uh, yes, some of you did send me this stuff. Uh, these two stories, I have two. You got a two for today. Uh, what is <laughs> this? So there, as you know. They are going to open up these sex doll brothels, right? We've covered this in the past quite a bit. Well, there's going to be a new offer. You can actually take the virginity of the sex robot as long as you're willing to pay a price, okay? So no sloppy seconds for you. You get the freshest sex robot right out of the box before anybody else gets to it. However, you know how much they're asking for this? Ten grand. (laughs) <laughs> to be the first guy to bang the robot. <laughs> uh, uh, this is at a place called Eve's Robot Dreams. And where is this? Somewhere in the UK, I think. It doesn't say. It's at a UK tabloid, though. Uh, so, they... Uh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm just scro- I'm trying to... It's a badly written article again. Uh, but it makes it sound like it's in Los Angeles because it says uh, staff will be paid a living wage and the startup is keen to work with authorities in L.A. County to create a safe and hygienic environment. Now, the robots are based on that real doll harmony, which I've covered before in the past, but will have modifications. Guests will be able to spend time with their favorite sex robot in a private room, but they're also invited to build a relationship with their robo-sex friend using a smartphone app. (laughs) Oh, God. And there's also a plan to provide non-robotic sex dolls, too. Blow-up doll. A non-robotic sex doll session will only cost $60, but sex with the actual sex robot will be $122. Uh, but as I said, you can pop the cherry on the robot for 10 G's. Oh, no. <laughs> I just got to the bottom of the article. This is the last paragraph in the article. Everyone will be expected to purchase their own insert, which they must place in their choice of robot orifice. Both vaginal and anal are available. <laughs> okay, so I'm tracking. So so it, the robot, you fucking, when you're done, it sounds like you, you just snap out the vagina or anus and you pop a fucking freshie into it so, so you get the clean one. Oh, this is too much. This is too much. Every pretty much every guy I know, whether he admits it or not, will have sex with one of these dolls. I guarantee you. And in my second story, the sex robot news, you know, they're making sex doll replicas now, and guys are requesting copies of girls that they like without those women's permission. And yeah, they're asking a guy named Jade Stanley, who is the owner and founder of Sex Doll Official to secretly make them artificial versions of girls that they have a crush on. His firm, which is near Birmingham, England, makes customizable sex dolls for men and women who wish to create sex dolls in the likeness of real people. Now, most customers ask 
Jade to create sex dolls in the likeness of celebrity, their partners, or in some cases, their dead wives. But Jade said nothing is off limits, including carbon copies of people who have no knowledge of their appearance being replicated in sex doll form. And yes, some men have requested silicone sex robot duplicates of just random chicks that they like. <laughs> oh, man. So all you have to do is send a picture of whoever to Jade who forwards the request to the factory in China where they are made. Now, you have to detail your specs, okay? And the specs include hair color, breast size, weight, skin color, uh, all this is on the official sex doll website. Now, these can cost up to 4,000 British pounds each, and after you've done it, they're then air freighted back to Jade's office and cleaned before shipping out to the customer. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking at pictures right now. Uh, some, of the, some of them are quite fetching, and they're posed in various provocative positions. This is the future, you guys. I keep telling you. You don't believe me. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the way people identify and how they see themselves. You know, the transgender thing. We've got the fucking transracial thing. You know, Rachel Dolezal. You know, white women identifying as black, all that. Well, how about this one? We got a guy who's a 69-year-old dude who's identifying as a 45-year-old man. And he has begun a legal battle to lower his age because he wants to pull younger women on the dating app Tinder. And he makes a point. Emil Rattelbond, that's his name, argues that if transgender people are allowed to change their sex, then he should be allowed to change his date of birth. The entrepreneur and self-help guru says doctors told him he has the body of a 45-year-old, so he's suing his local authority in the Netherlands after they refused to amend his age on official documents. God. So his case has now gone to court, uh, a different court, he was born on, in 1949, right? But he says he feels at least 20 years younger, and he wants to change his birthday to March 11th, 1969, which will make him 49 years old. He says, look, I have done a checkup, and what does it show? My biological age is 45 years old. Uh, when I'm on Tinder and it says I'm 69 years old, I don't get an answer. But when I'm 49 years old, with this face I have, I will be in a luxurious position. <laughs> Okay. Oh, wow. Hey, why not? I just, don't, doesn't everybody lie about their age on the, the social media apps anyway? I just assumed they did. I don't know. How about some, uh, you guys know I like the archaeological stuff. Fascinated by this. Got a couple of those for you. How about this one? Scientists have found the oldest known example of an animal drawing, a red silhouette of a bull-like beast on an Indonesian cave. I'm looking at the picture right now. I would have walked right by this. This is, again, this is something that only like trained people can figure out. It just looks like marks on a rock to me. But they say, no, this is drawn by hand, and it's at least 40,000 years old, slightly older than similar animal paintings found in the famous caves in France and Spain. Now, until a few years ago, experts believed Europe was where our ancestors started drawing animals and other figures. But this age of this drawing has been reported in the journal Nature magazine, along with previous discoveries in Southeast Asia, 
suggests that figurative drawing appeared in both continents about the same time. That's very cool. So these new findings fuel discussion about whether historical or evolutionary events prompted this near simultaneous burst of human creativity. Now, the remote limestone caves on Borneo have been known to contain prehistoric drawings since the 1990s. And to reach those caves, they had to use machetes to hack through thick jungle. This is like Indiana Jones shit. So they found all kinds of stuff. They found a uh, they found cave art in 2014 from the neighboring Indonesian island of Sulawesi. They dated hand stencils created by blowing red dye through a tube to capture the outlines of a hand pressed against rock almost 40,000 years ago. Very cool. Then about 14,000 years ago, the cave dwellers began to regularly sketch human figures doing things like dancing and hunting. A similar transition happened around the same time in the caves, uh, the caves in Europe. Fascinating. Then, in our second one, archaeologists have de- uh, discovered a pair of mosaics in a Roman-era latrine that depict well-known mythological scenes, each with its own raunchy spin. <laughs> what? Okay, first of all, these are 1,800-year-old mosaics. And one of them, including an image of Narcissus admiring the reflection of his own penis, uh, these are incredibly rare examples of mosaic paving in the ancient latrines. They were found in the coastal city of Antiochia ad Cragum in Turkey. Now, while the story of Narcissus typically describes him as beautiful, the man depicted in this particular mosaic has a long, unsightly nose. Instead of gazing at his own face in the reflection of the water, as the myth goes, you guys know that myth, this latrine Narcissus can be seen looking adoringly at his penis. Shit never changes, huh? Um, and that's not the only one they found. Where's the other one here? Uh, they also found, what's the other one? The guy is, uh, again, the writing is, is killing me, you guys. But yeah, you see, you see the picture of Narth? He's got his like hand and his penis is, is quite long. And now in the other scene, Zeus, the Greek god in the form of a heron, you know, the bird, is shown cleaning a man's penis with a sponge. So this is like, uh, these were like the uh, body porno magazines at the time, I guess, for dudes to look at while they're dropping a deuce. Uh, I love it. Uh, Back to the military. 14 sailors from the nuclear reactor department of the aircraft carrier Ronald Reagan are facing disciplinary action in connection to LSD abuse, Navy officials confirmed this week. Wow. Two sailors are already headed to court-martial for using, possessing, and distributing the hallucinogenic drug, while three are waiting to see whether they will be charged as well. Another ten sailors with the ship, based out of Japan, were administratively disciplined on LSD-related charges. Um, now, they were removed from all duties, obviously. Now, And they wouldn't reveal the charges that these personnel faced. 
I'm sure they're going to kick the guys out. They say that two soldiers, or sailors rather, are awaiting court-martial in connection to allegations that they used and distributed LSD. Those guys are going to be gone. Not even a question. But I wonder if they're actually going to kick all the other ones out. That's a lot of dudes to... uh, That's a lot of dudes to lose from the nuclear reactor department. Because, first of all, those those jobs are not easily filled. Uh, That's a very stringent... uh, tech school is to be a nuclear reactor tech of any kind on either a sub or a carrier. But yeah, that's what that does not sound fun to me. I would not want to take LSD while I was on a ship. Not even close. Oh man. What else? I'm just scrolling through some of the other stuff I found. Oh, uh, back to the middle East for a second. They found they found 200 mass graves of thousands of ISIS victims. Isn't this nuts? Uh, a UN report revealed on Tuesday that yeah, more than 200 mass graves containing the remains of thousands of victims have been found in areas formerly controlled by ISIS. Uh, the grave sites, which they believe contain up to 12,000 bodies, were found in the northern and western Iraqi provinces of Nineveh, Kirkuk, Salah al-Din, and Anbar. The smallest grave site found in West Mosul contained eight corpses, and the largest, oh, this is mind-blowing, the largest one, which is south of Mosul, may contain up to four thousand bodies incredible now uh the united nations said that isis's victims included women children elderly people those with disabilities members of iraq's armed forces police and some foreign workers Um, and these mass graves are being treated as crime scenes obviously and any evidence that's extracted from them should be used in criminal prosecutions in the future in line with international standards and this will be i mean this is going to be going on for a long time just the human toll of isis in iraq and syria is uh is crazy to me a uh, we got a couple do i have both of these oh yeah um Well, let me play this one first. Did you guys see that Trump and Jim Acosta got into it? (laughs) So Trump held a press conference after the big uh, election. And him and Jim Acosta decided to go at it for a while. And and I'm going to reiterate this one more time for all of you people who think that, like, Jim Acosta doesn't like any of it. Jim Acosta loves this. Trump is the best thing that ever happened to Jim Acosta. When he ever, whenever, whenever Trump's gone or Jim Acosta decides to retire, he's going to write a fucking book. It's going to sell a million copies. Nobody knew who Jim Acosta was before Trump. He's now a household name in fucking red state America. Yeah, all the Trump, the the fucking MAGA people know who Jim Acosta is. Not too many people can say that. Nobody knew who this fucking guy was. That's what blows my mind when everybody's like feeling sorry for the media. You're like, oh, he yelled at this reporter. It's the best thing that ever happened to them. Like, did you see like the, um, I don't have her name in front of me, but I guess recently he said it was a stupid question to some reporter from CNN. It was a, uh, some, some female, young, young female. Again, somebody on the internet pointed out, but uh, that by the end of the day, after he yelled at her, she gained like a hundred thousand Twitter followers. (laughs) 
When Trump name drops you or insults you, it's fucking the best thing for your career that you can imagine. Because then everybody else in the media knows who you are, right? You're famous now in those circles. So I don't feel sorry for him. But uh, So I have the clip, and it's about three minutes long. I don't know if I'm going to play the whole thing. But let's listen to Jim Acosta and uh, Trump. Uh, go at it here for a little while. Here we go. Hundreds and hundreds of miles you know away. That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much if better. I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question. Mr. President, if I may, if I may uh, ask Peter, one other ahead. question, are you worried? That's enough. That's Mr. enough. Mr. President, I, well, that's I was going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. President. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other question, if I may ask, on the Russia investigation, are you concerned that... That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the may have Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. <laughs> Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? All right, so she finally got the mic. That was I'll tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Damn. I, I think that's unfair. You're a very rude person. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee is horrible. And the way you treat other people are horrible. You shouldn't treat people that way. Go ahead. In, in, go in ahead, Jim, Peter. Go in, ahead. In Jim's defense, I've traveled Peter with Alexander. him and watched him. He's a diligent reporter who busts. Well, I'm not a big fan of yours either. So I understand. To be honest. <laughs> so let me ask you a question, if I can. You repeatedly you said are, you are the best, Mr. President. You repeatedly, over the course okay, of just sit down, please. Well, when you when you report fake news, no. When you report fake news, God. which CNN does a lot, you are the enemy of the people. Go ahead. Mr. President, oh. over, the course, over the course of the last several days of the campaign, sir, sir, at the end of the campaign, you repeatedly said that Americans need to fear Democrats. You said Democrats would unleash a wave of violent crime that endangers families everywhere. Why are you because pitting very Americans, weak on crime. Why are you pitting Americans Peter, against one another, sir? Peter, what are you trying to be him? No, Peter, I'm just asking just, the question. Let me just tell you. Very simple. <laughs> Because they're very weak on crime, because they have often suggested members and people within the Democrat Party at a high level have suggested getting rid of ICE, getting rid of law enforcement. That's not going to happen, okay? We want to be strong on the borders. We want to be strong on law enforcement. And I want to I cherish ICE, because ICE does a fantastic job. The, the, what they do for us is so... Really, it's so unrecognized how good a job they do. True. So we want to take care of them, and we want to hold them very close because they do a good job. But the question, okay, to be yeah, clear, the, to be clear, though, the question Thank you very is, much. why sit, are you sit down? But please. the question, but you didn't answer my question. Just very simply, the question is. Okay, let's move on. You guys get the idea. This is like, dude, a Matt. This is not you guys who hate Trump. This is you, what are you going to do when he's gone? And we have fucking Mike Pence, or God forbid. Oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Elizabeth Warren. Imagine how boring everything is going to be. That's why I just enjoy it while it's happening, because this is not going to happen again. Uh, now, there was another clip I have from that same press conference where he talks about Jeff Flake. So, let's see how this goes. Retirements in the House, Mr. President, very quickly, you, you, you suggested Who that... Who was retiring? You said that many of the retirements that happened in the House made it very difficult... Many retirements, for, yeah. ...that made it very difficult for you in this election cycle, and that it was because they were chairmen, they were chairmanships that were vacated. But Jeff Flake wasn't a chairman of a committee, and Paul Ryan also retired the cycle. So why do you think that is? Whose fault is it that there in were so Jeff many retirements? In Jeff Flake's case, it's me, pure and simple. I retired him. I'm very proud of it. I did the country a great service. Go ahead. Give him that. Give him that. <laughs> oh, man. 
I know. You guys hate Trump. I get it. He's he's very hateable sometimes. Uh, let's move on. What else do I have? I've got oh Dallas, the Dallas uh, Department of Corrections. They're 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 in a they're in a lawsuit. A transgender woman has filed a federal lawsuit against Dallas County, alleging that jailers ordered her, her, to show her genitalia to them so they could determine her sex. Well, <laughs> this is Valerie Jackson. And she, um, I'm, I don't know, the pronouns confuse me. I'm going to go with she for now. She had been arrested in November 2016 after she left a gun in her purse when she went through security at Dallas Love Field. A grand jury has since declined to indict her on the weapons charge. Well, why? Why, why do you get special treatment? Why do you not get indicted? Everybody else fucking who brings a gun through an airport gets arrested and charged. What's so special about you? Well, the lawsuit alleges that she was harassed and humiliated at the jail and that her constitutional rights were violated. They say that Dallas County placed her in danger by housing her with men. Jackson was male at birth, but legally changed her gender to female and is identified in court records as a woman. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm so fascinated by this. Like, I, I, I'm going to ask again. I've asked it before. It seems like almost every transgender story I do is a man who has transgendered, transgendered, who has transitioned into a woman. Like 90% of them. I wonder what the breakdown of statistics is for the whole population on that. Seriously, it seems like all of them are. Now, this lawsuit says that the county violated the Federal Prison Rape Elimination Act, which says that jails, quote, shall not search or physically examine a transgender or intersex detainee for the sole purpose of determining the detainee's genital status. Genital status. Uh, the county's policy for housing transgender inmates requires that the decision be made after medical, psychological, and medication needs are Assessed. Instead, the suit states, a county employee told Jackson she needed to show her genitals because if she had a penis, she needed to be housed with men. So an officer, again, according to the lawsuit, said, quote, we need to know if you've had a sex change or not. We need to see if you have a penis or a vagina. We cannot put you with men if you have a vagina. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. <sighs> I don't know. Now, oh, God. Jeez, the good detail in this story. Dallas News, shout out to you. Um, Jackson was subsequently arrested twice on misdemeanor charges of trespassing and interfering with an emergency call. So this was in while she, she was in prison, right? She was housed with men in the county jail and was required to shower with them. Both times, according to the lawsuit... A male inmate masturbated while he looked at her in the shower. Oh, God. Jeez. I mean, there's no good answer on this, you guys. You know, remember, we did, I did the story a couple weeks back where in England, remember, they put that, uh, they put the male to female transgender guy in the fucking, in with the females, and he ended up raping a few of them. I guess he hadn't been snipped yet. So, 
I'm just wondering, I'm so scrolling down through the story. I'm just wondering why they were she didn't get indicted. That's crazy. Lucky you, I guess. Anyway, very good story, Dallas News. There's some tremendous detail in that, and I, I really appreciate that. Uh, man, you know, the kids are crazy. In Arizona, an 11-year-old Litchfield Park boy shot his grandmother before turning the gun on himself and committing suicide after refusing to clean his room. Jesus. Uh, yes, Yvonne Woodward and her husband lived with their grandson in Litchfield Park, and the grandfather told detectives they had asked their grandson to clean his room, but he was being stubborn about it. So the couple is sitting there on the couch watching TV together when the grandson came up from behind his grandmother and shot her right in the back of the head. She fucking never even knew what hit her. The grandfather first ran after the grandson before returning to help his wife, and then he heard gunshots as his grandson shot himself. Oh, my God. Horrible. It was the grandfather's gun. Wow. These kids are fucking nuts, dude. I'm telling you. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, we had a uh, illegal immigrant arrested. He was 23 years old. This is Luis Perez, and he murdered his roommates after being evicted from their home before shooting dead the woman he moved in with. Holy crap, dude. He's been charged in a fatal shooting of former roommate Stephen Marler, 38, and 23-year-old Aaron Hampton at their Springfield home on November 1st. And then a day later, he shot dead Sabrina Starr, 21 years old, whose Missouri home he moved in after his first victims threw him out. Two other people were wounded but survived. Just, a, just another fucking body count from somebody who never should have been here. That's all. That's all this is. Over and over again. How many times have I done these stories, you guys? And you know what? And on this one, I just really want to... Uh, these people are too dumb to be a part of society. You see, there's a panic over a chickenpox outbreak in North Carolina private school as the state's rate of unvaccinated kids soars. North Carolina's rate of unvaccinated children doubled between 2012 and 2016 due to easy exemption rules for religious reasons. There's no approval process for those religious exemptions. The parents just need to write a letter claiming that they have them. And this is a fat, this is a stupid fad. In 2012, there were 871 religious exemptions granted, and in 2016 that number's risen to over 2000. So, fucking by sheer coincidence, now the Asheville Waldorf School is quarantining unvaccinated kids because 28 of their kids have contacted chickenpox in an outbreak that began last week. No fucking way, you guys. I swear, I can't stand these fucking hippie liberals who do this shit. You know, you want to talk about science deniers? This shit happens and only, only rich white people do this crap. Vaccinate your fucking kids. It's science. It's provable science. Some of this, some of these vaccines are like many, many decades old. We've wiped out many diseases because of these vaccines. And now these stupid morons, because they read too much nonsense on the internet, are refusing to get their kids vaccinated. So now the poor kid is homesick, or God forbid, gets some kind of horrible disease. 
You should have your children taken away on. I've had it with them. I wanted to give them the chance to do the right thing. I fucking had it now. Ugh, I'm fired up, you guys. <laughs> oh, this was funny. Okay, so this happened earlier uh, before the campaign, right? So an Uber driver, did you hear about this Uber driver? He was, he accused two Democratic actresses of racism as he interrupted their conversation in the back of his cab on election day here in California. Yes, this is Tara Strong. She's known for her voice acting in Rugrats and Fairly Odd Parents. And she was with fellow actress named Raina Sofer of Two and a Half Men. And their driver accuses them of ruining America. It's funny because the driver's like this total right-wing kook, and he's an immigrant. <laughs> it's funny. And so this chick tweeted this out, this Tara Strong. She's a big SJW, social justice warrior. So she tweeted this video out saying, like, look how badly we were treated. But then a lot of people started piling on them. Because, like, dude, you're treating this fucking immigrant like crap. You know, you can't ever be mean to an immigrant. That's, like, the lefty rules. And so they were kind of in a catch-22. So she ended up deleting the video. And I was looking. I actually had it open earlier in the week, but she had deleted it. So I'm glad that the, the Daily Mail, though, has some of the video. So I'm going to play it. And I, it's, it's a, I don't think I'm going to play the whole thing. It's kind of a, it's a little while long. But, uh, oh, uh, yeah, you're going to run an ad on me first. But yeah, she she had the video up, and I had the Twitter uh, open on my tabs because I collect tabs throughout the week. And then later on, there was such a like a lefty backlash on her for picking on the poor immigrant guy that she did delete the video. But it's funny to me because some of the I've said this for a long time. A lot of these immigrants who come here legally, you know, they're not fucking lefties at all. They came to America because they want they want the capitalism. They want the you know you work hard, you get ahead. They want all that, and they don't really appreciate all these like left wing kooks. Uh, talking down to him. So let's hear how this one goes. Uh, here is Tara Strong in this fucking Uber driver. Here we go. My God, I don't want to talk to you. I'm a racist. You are racist. The lefty are such a... The only way you can be racist is if you can control... If you can control... Make no logic. Maybe you should pull over. You make no logic so Maybe you should get off here. Yeah, get us here. Yeah, you're a terrible driver. Get us off the big foot. You're terrible riders. There you go. You see, that's the lefty. It's a mind control. Well, you've been rude. It's rude. You're very rude. Well, you involved yourself in our conversation. It was none of your business. It was none of your business. And you've been attacking us and insulting us and yelling at us the entire time. That's all you can say. You keep saying. You sound you sound like Trump's mouthpiece. You're a lefty. You're evil. This is democracy. You're terrible. There you go. So be proud. Yes, you guys win America. We ruined America. We ruined America. We are Americans. We were born here. I'm American too. I'm a citizen. Yeah, but you 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 can see that. There you go. You're racist. racist. You're racist. I'm American. I'm American. Yes, You're American. racist because you I love here. Trump. You said you were born here. What's I the was born here because What's you you questioned What's me as an American. No, I did not. You, you did. That. You, you absolutely did. You're making no logic. I'm getting your. Advice. I'm making no logic. She is making. So excited to send this video to your boss. Yeah. Please, please, please send it. Yeah, I'll be fired. 
I'll be fired. Yeah. Let's see. What's your You're name? You're so rude. Let's you see. Let's you. Let me. My name is Tara Strong. I know Ben Shapiro personally. Okay. And we live right next to me. Fabulous. We live the same next to each other. That's probably why you believe his nonsense. Oh yes. I'm going to talk to Ben Shapiro. You find the you find the nearest gas station and you can drop us off. Find the nearest gas station and you you drop us off. You get don't let me. You don't let me have my own opinion. Yeah. No parking anytime. You can't drop us off here. It's not legal. We've got you on video. You drop us off in a safe. Oh place. God. I told you, anywhere the very you first gas station you can send us, you, you can drop us off, right okay? Really? Okay, I think we've heard enough. Okay, so I'm tracking what he was... So he was saying they were racist because they were like, I'm American, I was born here. And obviously, you can be American without being born here, that's our system. And that's what he was saying. Uh, that's too funny. But you see, the optics are bad. The optics of the two white women berating the uh, immigrant driver, who obviously loves Trump... <laughs> Uh, it's too good. I love it. Oh, man. What else? Oh, Viggo Mortensen, the actor. He had to apologize for dropping an N-bomb. <laughs> Sadly, there was no video of this. But yeah, he, he, was, he was on a panel, and he was talking about his new movie called Green Book. You've probably seen the commercials for it. It's a film that depicts the relationship between a black, uh, I'm sorry, a black classical pianist and his white chauffeur, as they traveled the American South during the 60s. It looks like a good movie. I'd like to see it. And the film deals explicitly with race relations. And during Wednesday's panel, Mortensen used the slur in an attempt to make a point about progress. Oh, they do have the direct quote in here. So as you guys know, if it's a direct quote, I obviously will say it. So if you're a little, if you're a little skittish, uh, fast forward. So Mortensen says, quote, for instance, no one says nigger anymore, end quote. <laughs> so this is, a, this is kind of what happened with other people. You know, they're trying to talk like, an ad, like adults. This is how we should talk because we're all fucking adults, but we can't talk like this anymore because everybody's such a fucking snowflake. And, and he's obviously, Viggo Mortensen is a big left-wing guy. He's obviously not racist, and he's trying to make a point. And his point was, look, things have changed where a once common slur is no longer acceptable. But the second you say the actual slur, fucking all the white people in the room freaked out. And Mortensen uh, sent out a statement uh, apologizing, obviously. He said, quote, in making the point that many people casually use the N-word at the time in which the movie story takes place in 1962, I used the full word. Although my intention was to speak strongly against racism, I have no right to even imagine the hurt that is caused by hearing that word in any context, especially from a white man. Okay, I mean, you know, fucking grow up. Grow up. Can we not differentiate between a guy screaming, you fucking N, you stupid N, I'll kill you N, and the guy saying the word in a historical context? Can we not, are we not fucking adult enough to do that? So goddamn stupid. I'm no fan of Viggo Mortenstein. That's how they called him on uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But, you know, it's just stupid. I'm so ch it's so childish. I don't know. What else? <laughs> All right, I got to cheer myself up again. A man who tricked straight men into sex by posing as a woman on Tinder is jailed. Okay, here th this again. You guys, if you if you guys listened to your uncle BK, you would not fucking be doing this. And this is why. This was in London. 
So a guy who posed as a woman to would-be suitors, right? He was named Duarte Xavier. And he lured four men into his home in southwest London by taking on the convincing persona of a young woman called Anna on dating apps such as Tinder. So once they arrived at the apartment, this guy, who's 33 years old, he made excuses to prevent his victims from seeing the woman they were expected to meet by forcing them to wear a blindfold or covering their face. He would then sexually assault the men. What, what did I tell you? Remember the Craigslist ad guy who was filming porn? This was a couple podcasts back. And he was pretending to be a housewife, and it was a dude, and he did this same shit. The dudes would show up at the house. He'd have a blindfold on the kitchen counter, make them put it on, then he'd start, like, blowing them. Like, don't fucking cover your face and get blown by a stranger. Just don't do it. That means you're not gonna, you can't do any glory hole porn, that's for sure. Fucking, you can't stick your dick in a hole. You don't know what's on the other side of that. I'm just saying, you guys, this seems like fucking common sense. Anyway, oh, dude, this guy got 15 years in prison. Good, good. Oh, man. It's just a fucking basic rule, you guys. You walk into the house, you hear a voice in the other room saying, put that blindfold on and then I'll come out. Just fucking don't do it, okay? Come on. Uh, All right, how about this? The fattest state in America survey has taken place. And the champion, the fattest state in America, has won for the third year in a row. Any guesses? Who's, who's going to guess? Three years in a row, it's been the same state. Well, that state is Mississippi. So congratulations, you fat fucks in Mississippi. And that is the worst when it comes to the percentage of adults and children who are obese, have high blood pressure, and are physically inactive. Now, Mississippi was followed by states in the southern U.S. It was followed by number two, West Virginia, three, Arkansas, Kentucky, and then Tennessee. Now, as far as the fittest U.S. states, anybody got a guess on that? The fittest U.S. state is Colorado, and it is followed by Utah at number two, and then Hawaii at number three, and then Massachusetts and D.C.? Hmm. Really? D.C. is, uh, what would that be, one? If this, I wish I just had the simplest rank here. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so the D.C. is fifth. I don't fucking believe that. California is behind D.C. I go to D.C. quite a bit. Uh, they're, they're not fit people in any way, shape, or form. They, they eat too much restaurant food. They don't get enough exercise. My brother being the obvious exception to that. He's a fucking beast. But the average D.C. dude looks like shit. Okay, <laughs> what else? Oh, okay, so this, this story is in Spanish. It was the only unedited clip I could get. I got a lot of good clips this week. So I, I'm not going to, I know my Spanish is good enough to get along, but uh, let me uh, just read the first sentence in Espanol. Una empleada de Burger King llamó Blanco de Miedra a un hispano que estaba reclamando que la hicieran una devolución en la cuenta. In other words, an employee of Burger King called somebody a white piece of shit because they thought they were uh, white and they were in fact Hispanic. 
the employee appears to be African American. I do have the unedited clip, so uh, let's fucking roll it. Yeah. Say it again. Fuck you, you white piece of shit. Thank you. We're Hispanic. Get it right. Sorry to give you your money back. We're asking for a refund because your manager was touching her cell phone. So it has nothing to do with you. I don't even know why you're getting upset for. You gave me the refund? Oh, wow. You know, what's wrong with people? Do you really think you're not going to get fired? Yeah, she did call her a white piece of shit. Oh, well. Uh, so much more to get to. Uh, what else? Now, a new study is interesting. Women are nearly as distressed as men over compulsive sexual urges and behavior, said in a, a study, the first of its kind they're calling this. Yeah, a significant proportion of the population is grappling with a new and controversial disorder, compulsive sexual behavior. And it's not just men, as a surprising number of women say they have trouble controlling their sexual urges. Of the 2,325 U.S. adults surveyed, 10% of men and 7% of women met the clinical cutoff point for compulsive sexual behavior disorder. This is a newly named category of sexual pathology that involves a persistent inability to control intense, repetitive urges and feelings, resulting in repetitive sexual behavior. So you're going to hoe out. Until now, rough estimates pegged the condition's prevalence at somewhere between 1% and 6% of the population, with men assumed to be between 2 and 5 times more likely to suffer from the disorder than women. But in that new study, they found women accounted for 41% of those who qualified for one of these diagnoses, so almost as bad as men. Uh, they exhibited the entire range of sexual symptoms from problematic but non-clinical, out-of-control sexual behavior to a certifiable psychiatric disorder. Now, this diagnosis itself has officially been added this year to the World Health Organization's International Classifications of Diseases. And they say it's tough to kind of... It's controversial. You know, because like, where, does, uh, where does natural human urge end and the compulsion disease begin? It's a, it's a fine line. And they have decided to define compulsive sexual behavior disorder as an impulse control disorder. Symptoms, which must persist for six months or more, can include repetitive sexual activities becoming a central focus of the person's life and continued repetitive sexual behavior despite adverse consequences. Hmm. And they, they dropped, the, the authors dropped a few names, uh, including Tiger Woods and Harvey Weinstein as two examples. Well, that's fucking for sure. Seriously. Especially Weinstein. God. Oh, man. What, do I have any other... I just want to make sure I get all the good audio that I have. Uh, back to the military for a moment. We had another one of those sky penis drawing incidents. <laughs> yeah. Well, two U.S. Marine Corps pilots have been grounded pending an investigation into a digitally mapped flight path over Southern California skies last month last month that appeared to be in the shape of male genitalia. 
the flight path by a T-34C turbo mentor that allegedly flew in a penis shape was part of the 3rd Marine Aircraft Wing based out of Marine Corps Air Station Miramar here in San Diego. Now, they are being investigated for flying a pattern that resembles an obscene image and currently not flying, resulting in this, uh, this investigation. Uh, now, the flight path was reported by tracking site aircraft spots on their Twitter account. And, uh, you know, this fall, remember last year we had the two Navy lieutenants who were disciplined after they used a military aircraft to draw a penis over Washington State. I mean, come on. Yeah, guys, listen, I'm all about fucking you following the mission plan and everything, but you got to give these pilots and these fucking operators, you know, the SF guys and all the special operations, you got to give them a little bit of a rope. The kind of guy you want in those jobs, you want him to have a little bit of a fuck you in him. You just do. We can't have these automatons. You're not going to get some fucking nerd who's any good at that. I don't my point is, you got just just give them a little just give them a little room. You know what I'm saying? That's all. That's all I'm asking. Uh, here's a fucking horrific story. God, a woman's live-in boyfriend has been accused of shooting her six-year-old son to death with a shotgun while playing zombies with the boy after he'd been drinking. Yeah, Benjamin Wesley Goodson. 32 years old, was arrested and charged with murder in the Monday death of six-year-old Eugene Stamey in Georgia, which is right outside of Augusta, Georgia. Uh, the boy's mom, presumably, uh, yeah, it's, it's so, so he's not the dad. The boy's mom was in the shower when she heard the sound of a gunshot. And she said that good son who had earlier drank a beer and a shot, was playing zombies with the young child and another 8-year-old boy. But while the two boys fired at each other with Nerf guns, Goodson decided to retrieve a shotgun from the closet, which he thought was old and not working. Well, fucking guess what? Investigators said he pointed the gun at Ryder and pulled the trigger, but when nothing happened, he cocked the hammer and pulled the trigger again. Sadly, Ryder was fatally shot in the chest, and he was pronounced dead at the scene. Just fucking find a nearest tree branch and string him up right there. I fucking have no patience for this, you guys. Four basic firearm safety rules. If you don't fucking know what they are, you have no business being around a firearm, touching a firearm. I don't want you looking at a firearm. I don't want you handling one when I'm in the room. I mean, dude, honestly, I've been to like gun stores where they fucking freak me out. I've been to gun shows where people freak me out. It's such, it, even like guys you'd think would be experienced with firearms. Don't fucking touch the trigger. Don't fucking point at it. How hard is that? Jesus. Uh, one in three United States veterans are suffering from depression. And 25% binge drink finds a survey, and it is uh, Veterans Day weekend. Obviously, they celebrated on, uh, they're celebrating on Monday. The actual date, I think, is Sunday. So, you know, what can you say? I don't need to say anything about my veterans and how I feel about them. You know, that's my, that's my tribe. You know, it's one of my tribes. And uh, I want to take care of them, and it's sad because it's uh, very common, this depression and binge drinking. And those with a disability... Nearly 70% of them 
feel clinically depressed. And then 25% of those say they binge drink. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. The survey collected data from the Center for Disease Control Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System. And more than two-thirds of veterans who are unable to work due to disabilities and more than one in four who are unemployed suffer from depression. And I've told you guys, I've talked about this quite a bit in the past. It's a challenge leaving the military because you do become institutionalized to a sense. You know, you're on a clear track. You know what you do. You got to make rank. As long as you show up every day and don't do anything stupid, you're going to advance. Your paycheck gets bigger. And then you get out in the real world. And then one, you have wildly different expectations in the real world. And two, you don't have that tribe of yours that has your back. Now you're an individual again. Whereas before, you know, if you're on a, you're in an infantry unit, you're in a special operations team. Those were your, that was your family. It is a family environment. You're around those guys so much that it is like your second family. And then fucking one day they're gone and people try to keep up. They do. They try to keep in touch. But at the end of the day, they're going out and training and doing shit with the rest of the family and you're not there, you know? So people try to keep in touch, but inevitably you are just going to be kind of an afterthought. That's just part of the gig. And you got to find something else. That's I tell veterans all the time. Like, dude, you got to find something else. I mean, for me, it's probably the podcast and other hobbies, but this is a big one. It's, it's hard. You know, you want to be, we were, I was joking with Jason last week, my PJ buddy. And, you know, it's like we joked around a little bit about being, hey, you know, I'm going to stay, I want to stay in such good shape that I could operate like right now, you know? And it's a delusion we tell ourselves. Like, I could still do it. I could still do it. But you want to. You know, you always keep that in the back of your head. And it's just not, that's just not the way it is. So you have to have something outside. It's like fucking going to prison, right? You know, when you get out, you better have something lined up. Or you're just going to fall right in back into the drugs and alcohol and and uh, all that. So, you know. I don't know what more to tell you, but the, the thing is with veterans, you're luckier than most because the resources are there for you if you choose to utilize them. But that's on you, veterans. You got to show up. You know, there's so many benefits for you post-service, but you got to fucking fill out the paperwork and you got to show up. You can't get drunk all night and skip the meeting with the fucking VA guy or the disability counselor. You can't do that. You got to show up. You got to do the paperwork. You got to be where you're supposed to be. The resources are there. Use them and fucking talk to somebody else. If nothing else, talk to another veteran. Just just talk. A lot of times that can be the difference between slipping away and keeping on the right path. That's my fucking spiel on that. Let's fucking move on. How much time do I have left? All right, about 20 minutes. Let's keep going. Uh, police said a Somali immigrant killed one person and wounded two others in a rush hour stabbing spree in Australia. I know I got a lot of Australian listeners. Uh, I want to thank, I should point out, I want to thank my Australian listeners. I've gotten several nice messages from all of you telling me thank you for covering stuff in Australia, and I appreciate you. So, this unnamed man, at least in this story, I have not refreshed the story. He drove a 4x4 truck loaded with gas bottles into the bustling city center of Melbourne, ignited the vehicle in a ball of flames, and then attacked passersby with a knife. He stabbed three people before being confronted by armed officers, who eventually shot him in the chest. Uh, one of his victims died at the scene, and the attacker died later in the hospital. 
Now, counterterrorism police and intel officers are still piercing together how the incident occurred, but they said the attacker was known to intelligence services. No fucking way. Wow, I'm fucking shocked, you guys. Aren't they always known? <laughs> Jesus. This is why you need a place like Gitmo. You know, it's for, for the guys who haven't technically committed a crime, but you know they're going to. Uh, the Islamic State uh, said uh, via its propaganda arm that the perpetrator was an Islamic State fighter and carried out the operation. Uh, witness footage, excuse me real quick, showed police struggling for at least a minute to corral the, apparently he was very tall, they describe him as a towering man who was wearing a dark tunic as he lunged, slashed, and stabbed wildly at two officers. At least two members of the public bravely stepped in to help the police. So good on you. That's what you got to do. Uh, see, this is the difference between Australia and America. The attacks continued before one officer opted for lethal force shooting the suspect in the chest. I, I can tell you right now in America, you're not going to get a chance to slash at a cop. When he sees that knife in your hand, he's going to say, drop it. And if you don't drop it and keep even walking towards him, you're getting fucking two in the chest. Guaranteed. I don't know why these Australian cops are fucking around. You, really, you're going to wait for the guy that, with the knife to slash at you repeatedly, and then you're going to decide deadly force? I mean, I get it. I'm sure they're controlled by SJWs as well. I fucking get it. Uh, what else? Uh, I promised to get to this, so I'll hit it briefly. The DACA thing. Yeah, a federal appeals court ruled that President Trump cannot immediately end the program that shields the do uh, undocumented immigrants who are brought to the country as children. A unanimous decision by the three-judge panel of the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. The Ninth Circuit. Again with this. How is it possible that Barack Obama can create a program out of the executive office, Congress had nothing to do with it, and his predecessor cannot end that program. You don't need to know all the fucking, all the details beyond that. It's just, it's fucking ludicrous. Now, they've moved to end the program, um, and Judge Kim McLean Wardlaw said, quote, to be clear, we do not hold that DACA could not be rescinded as an exercise of executive branch discretion. Okay, so they said they keep saying this. They keep saying, we're not saying you can't do this. Just the way you're doing it is wrong. Because they say the rescission was arbitrary and capricious under settled law. They keep going back to this. Um, what was the one quote I wanted to make in here, though? Oh, here was it. Well, here it was. So that same judge, Wardlaw, right? This is what pisses me off. They said, quote, the reality is and always has been that the executive agencies charged with immigration enforcement do not have the resources required to deport every single person present in this country without authorization, said the judge, end quote. But that's not, so in other words, they're saying, look, we don't have the resources, so you have to use your discretion. Well, that, that's not your fucking business, judge. If they want to deport everyone, they're certainly well within the law to do that. It's not your business if they choose to use discretion or not. That's what fucking kills me. And then this judge went on to fucking really uh, go on and on about it. It was like a press release for an activist group. It didn't even sound like a judge. They, the, uh, that same judge, Wardlaw, the opinion begins with an anecdote. 
And the National Review actually quoted the entire anecdote. I'm not going to, but you should go read it uh, in this article by Jason Richwine. Because they quote this whole... The argument opens with talking about a individual named Dulce Garcia and how she embodies the American dream and how born into poverty they shared a San Diego house and blah, blah, blah. And it goes on to say her whole bio. And it's like, that's not the fucking issue. I can come up with a sob story for every single government policy there is. But yeah, the, and, and for a judge, this, is so, this sounds like something the activist group would say. This is a judge in a written opinion. This is, this is idiotic. I tell you what, this is going to go to the Supreme Court, and it's going to be, they're going to say, yeah, you can end DACA. That's happening, okay? Uh, I tweeted this one out, I think. A, the lawyers, I should say, for four Tennessee death row inmates are asking a federal judge to allow them to choose a firing squad as an alternative to Tennessee's lethal injection or electric chair execution methods. Oh, good. The inmates filing suit include David Earl Miller, who is the next man set to die in Tennessee. So if this suit succeeds, we could have a good old firing squad. And, um, <laughs> so, oh, I, I see what they're doing here. So he was sentenced to death for the 1981 murder. 81. Isn't our justice system stupid? I'm doing the math in my head. See, 81, 91, 2001. It's, that's almost fucking 27, 27 years. 27 years for the 1981 murder of 23-year-old Lee Standifer. And now this kind of makes sense because the lawsuit is asking the court to postpone Miller's execution until the court can hear the case. Oh, see, there you go. Another fucking stall tactic. They should say, yeah, okay, you're right. Let's do it. <laughs> now, um, yeah, so this lawsuit was filed a day after 63-year-old Edmund Zagorski was executed by electric chair. You guys saw me tweet that one out too. And uh, he was granted the right to choose the electric chair after his legal challenge to Tennessee's three-drug lethal injection protocol failed. His attorneys argued death by electrocution would be quicker, but maintain that both methods are unconstitutional. Well, they're fucking not unconstitutional. How many more times do we have to go over the constitutionality of the death penalty? It clearly is. All right, running out of time. Let's do a quick hits here. Uh, Australian colonel has spied for Russia for decades. That's right. A senior Austrian military official is believed to have spied for Moscow for years, said Vienna on Friday. And uh, who is this guy? Yeah, it was... Are they naming him? They are not naming him. Hmm. I don't know why not. But yes, this is a recently retired Army colonel, and they they think he spied for Moscow from the 1990s until this year. And I guess they let him retire for some reason. <laughs> uh, what else? I had a I had a good audio clip. I just want to, oh this I had to play this audio clip. Um, this is kind of this is really just shows the hard leftists. This was at a rally outside tennis, uh, Chattanooga when Trump was having his rally. And they were playing the national anthem, and you hear the, Demo uh, the Democrat, the liberal protesters screaming during it and taking a knee. And they're really just going off on it. Let's hear it.
and they're all kneeling. This is what you're up against. And in addition to that, you got, where's this other guy here? Oh, here is a, uh, the Young Americans for Freedom. It's a, some right-wing college campus group. They released this video of a guy screaming at one of the YAF members, some triggered SJW. And uh, let's see how this one goes. Another nut. Maybe if someone had stopped Trump, Trump stopped uh, Dinesh D'Souza, all these motherfuckers who make a fucking living out of spewing hate, you should crawl back into your mother's rancid womb, gestate for a few more hours, slide back out, and then learn something about not being entitled white piece of shit. Because motherfuckers like you come here and you have no idea what it's like to be gay, to be a person of color, to know what it's like to live with institutional racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia. Yeah! You idiot! Do you not realize? I told you I chucked the milk and spit on you, and then you'd be such a little baby, because that's who you kind of people are. You fucking cry about chocolate milk getting spilled on you. You had a Jewish woman arrested at Florida State. Yeah. Cry? You're the one who just threw that at my face. Yeah, because you deserve it. You deserve a lot worse. Yeah, I'm passionate. I don't believe people should be promoting hate speech that leads to mass shootings by angry, white, broad-turner motherfuckers like you. <laughs> if I was your father, I would kill myself. Jeez. Okay, how are you you going to fucking really have a debate with that guy? Oh, my God. We're really losing it, you guys. We really are. Uh, Gym-obsessed men are significantly at risk for uh, higher rates of depression. That's in it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so you gym rats. Uh, a new study out of the Norwegian University of Science and Technology and Harvard University have analyzed the link between male body image disorder and mental health. They found that body-obsessed men have a higher risk of not only depression, but also weekend binge drinking and using illegal supplements, including anabolic steroids. Well, yeah, that's for, for sure. And the study also showed that 10% of men have body image disorder, in which they think they are too fat and want to be thinner. Uh, they interviewed 2,460 men aged 18 to 32 about their gym habits and views about their body. Uh, some common statements included, I feel guilty if I miss a workout, and I'm thinking of taking anabolic steroids. <laughs> uh, just work hard in the gym, you guys. You'll get there. That's all. Um, West Point had to apologize for a, uh, hi some hijinks gone wrong. You guys, many of you sent me this story. Uh, the West Point issued an apology on Sunday for an apparent prank in which a live Air Force Air Force mascot Falcon was abducted and injured ahead of the weekend's Army Air Force football game at West Point. Okay. You know, I obviously this is not good, but it's it's a fucking accident. Okay? It was not done out of malice. This was Aurora, who's a 22-year-old Falcon. I didn't know Falcons lived that long. And it's the school mascot. It had accompanied the team for a game against West Point. Uh, the Falcon is expected to make a full recovery, uh, luckily, because at first they thought the injuries were quite severe and they'd have to euthanize the animal. Oh, here you go. Uh, Falcon's life expectancy in captivity is around 25 years, so it's getting a little long in the tooth, but still going. So Aurora was being kept in the home of a volunteer sponsor who was an Army colonel, as is customary whenever the Air Force team is on the road. So, again... Couple West Point cadets, you know, the fucking, this is the animal house, the hijinks. 
They thought they were doing something funny, and it would have been funny, except yeah, shit went bad. Uh, a 50-year-old Florida elementary school principal is accused of stealing $900 from a mentally disabled 9-year-old. I hope it was worth it. Edward John Abernathy. Um, the child had brought $2,100 of his parents' money to the school. I guess by accident, when teachers realized the child had brought the cash in, they counted it and locked it in the principal's office for safekeeping. Well, they revealed later that the principal had only returned about $1,200 when she went to pick the money up. And he is being accused of pocketing the remaining $900. What a fucking idiot. Over $900, dude. Uh, uh, Tunisia is forcing men suspected of being gay to undergo anal testing, said rights group. Yeah, the Human Rights Watch is all over this. Uh, in some cases, officials have also confiscated and searched phones in a bid to put pressure on men to confess to homosexual activity, according to Human Rights Watch. Mm. Now, Tunisia has harsh sodomy laws, which can result in jail terms of up to three years. So uh, stay out of Tunisia. If you like uh, putting it in the stink, that's for sure. It's no good. Leave the gays alone. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, well, you, got, you guys know me and the gays. I like having the gays around. You know, they fucking are very successful. They have a lot of disposable income. They're good for the economy. They make lots of good products. They interiorly decorate quite tastefully. Will I go to the fucking parade? No, I'm not going to go to the parade. Do I want you to leave them alone? Yeah, I do want you to leave them alone. I don't want to know what you're fucking doing behind closed doors either. God knows some of you people. Uh, this is one more quick video. A security guard quit his job and cursed out the entire store in the intercom. One of you guys just said, this is funny. So here's my question, all right? All right, so this guy's getting fired by a woman. He's on a conference call right now. Okay, if I'm upstairs with my head down, that means I'm on my break. Okay, but when you're up there from 5.30 until almost 7... I'm wondering where you're at. I had to come find you. So why you didn't come tap me? Would you why take in a picture? You? You shouldn't be, why not, why, why do you have to take all, a picture? First of all, I should have had this conversation and, and with you send it. without your without your supervisor here. So why don't I don't you have call a supervisor? Him? I quit. Fuck okay, this job. Okay, that's fine. Then, so, then I'm asking you to leave the store because I shouldn't have to have this you, conversation. You you want to send a picture in an email, and versus you, you could tap me and say, "Hey, okay, what's going and on?" Okay, I'm gonna ask you to leave the store Fuck now. Fuck you. And fuck you too. That's fuck fine. both of y'all. I quit this whole ass job. <laughs> All right, go email that. He's walking out. Walking out. Ass bitch. Walking over the intercom. Here we go. I get tired too, you know. Attention, all at home shoppers. Fuck this whole ass job. Fuck Thomas Woods. Fuck Karen Sokolowski. Y'all can take whatever y'all want, because at this point, ain't no security in this bitch. I quit. No, fuck you and this job. I quit. <laughs> yeah, he was the security guard. I should. I don't know if I mentioned that at the beginning. That's fucking funny. And finally, let's fucking do... Uh, let's go right to the big finish here. A lost... A KSNEV News 3 sportscaster named Randy Howe, he's the local TV reporter, you know, the, the local sports guy. He was arrested Tuesday morning for allegedly masturbating at a bar in North Las Vegas. 
Police have charged him with indecent exposure and open gross lewdness. His mugshot is great. Now, he is insisting he was not masturbating. He says he had a severe rash and was scratching himself. He said he probably should not have been scratching himself at the bar and that it was a bad decision. However, an employee at the bar told police that how uh, Randy Howe walked to the bathroom with his dick out. And yes, the establishment, the establishment did have a camera. And a worker told responding officers that they noticed that this patron displays strange behavior, which included walking to the bathroom with his penis outside of his pants. And then surveillance videos revealed by police showed the patron unzip his pants and fondle himself. And <laughs> the best part is he hadn't even been served any alcohol. He had just had an energy drink. And employees told police this wasn't even the first time they'd seen him masturbate there, but they didn't report it because they were hoping that that was only a one-time thing. Fucking guys, that's it. There goes the iPad. That's your fucking two and a half hours live recorded show. One man operation. No editing, no breaks. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Bring it on. That's it for me, guys. I'm out of here. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at BKActual. Please go to Patreon.com. Help support the podcast. I don't have room to thank many of you, but I have now I think I'm up to 152 patrons, and it's awesome. And you guys, your, your kind messages are also very important to me. Uh, I can tell you since I've been on Instagram, uh, many of you have reached out to me saying you like the podcast and to keep it up. And, and really, that's what makes me keep going. The, the money's nice, but it's not enough to live on. But what makes it worth it is you guys telling me, keep it going. You know, I, I, I love, you know, all my Marine friends are listening. All my Army friends are listening. It's, it's, uh, it makes me want to keep doing it. So I really appreciate you. And keep it up. Spread the word of the podcast. And I'll keep showing up here. That is going to do it for me. And I will see you next week. Thank you.